episode 64. illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant and transfer out freak Come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blunt, sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty legged. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, 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 Hey, welcome back to Two True Freaks and, uh... At our big end-of-the-month episode, we're reliving once again, as we do every episode, our childhood. And probably not even our childhood. This this episode's going to go into uh, our adulthood, I'm sure. And it's our fabulous, amazing Toys episode. And toys! I'm, I'm Chris Honeywell. And, toys! And I'm here with Scott Gardner, and we are going to discuss some of our favorite toys. Toys. In this first first segment, we're going to talk about some of like just our all time favorite toys, and now that in this first segment, we're going to exclude Star Wars and Star Trek toys because they're just by default our favorite toys anyway. Right. So instead of muddying up the whole favorite toy thing with all this, you know, other stuff in Star Wars, we're going to lump those into another section in the second section of the show, and then the third section will be that, that part that I think all of you can identify with, and that's the, the toys that we always pined for that, you know, the commercials tantalized us and teased us and our parents were always too broke or just like, I ain't buying that crap. But, uh... So- You've been a bad Scott. You've been a bad Scott. <laughs> we're not buying it for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I whined for many a toy. Me too. I was a great whiner for toys. Sis- I'm still a great whiner for toys. And it was the ones, the rare times that my sister and I were aligned on a toy that we could actually whine Simpsons-like, you know, in, <laughs> in unison and actually eventually get the toy. You know, if we started around the summer, by Christmas time, that toy would be there just to shut us the fuck up. Atari 2600 <laughs> is the one that comes to mind right there. It was just like... Had to have that Atari 2600. Uh, I, I wondered if like Atari 2600 or Pong might come up, but I think we need to save those and and go For into that in a game. whole other episode and yes. talking about our favorite video games. Oh, and, what a show that'll be. Yep, I'll throw it out there right now because I yeah, thought of that. That was one of the first idea. things that came up was I remember, I remember the day my grandfather brought Pong home. Yep. 
And I thought of that, and I thought, no, I'm not going to talk about that. We need to do that in a whole another because yeah. that, that that is really its own whole its a whole own show oh, is yeah. uh, all the cool ass video well, game because 2600. I'll, tell, I'll tell you what, we got to do it before November because right now till November and. We have the Strong Museum of Play here in Rochester, which is just oh. basically the biggest toy museum in the world. I could go – every toy we mentioned today is sitting in a vault literally in this museum. And the whole bottom part of it is a playland for kids with like a recreation of Sesame Street and a working sort of toy um, um, Wegmans, which is a, a you know a grocery store here. And they can go in and play grocery store. Has check. It's a kid's heaven, but now it's a heaven for guys like you and me, because it is the dream arcade of our childhood, of our youth. It had, they have over 150 video games there. I like from, to quantify from it with, to like 3D games. I like to quantify it by calling it our misspent youth. Yeah, <laughs> and let. Let me tell you, you know they got they got discs of Tron there. They've got the sit down Star Trek game. You know, oh, yeah, so, you're killing me. So killing I'm, me. I'm gonna go there, and you can buy a pass to that thing. And and sometime between now and November on the video game show, I'll go in there with a with a camera and and get some pictures of me joyously playing, you know, Donkey Kong Jr. and Galaga and all all those fun games. But anyway. That's for the future. Today it's our toys. Toys. Open up the toy box. <laughs> I did. I. I don't even remember ever having a toy box because I was the kid who lived in a pile of his toys, just like I yep. am now. Uh, strewn all over the place. That's how I liked them. Yep, that's how I was up until I forget what age it was. Something like a, a switch got thrown in my brain at, at some. Well, just one day I woke yes, up and, and, and realized organized. that, yeah, it's like I went from being from being Oscar Madison to Felix Unger overnight, literally yeah. overnight. It was like such a change. I'm today. I'm still like that. I'm very anal about maybe all that's my stuff why the show. Maybe I'm Oscar place. Madison. You're Felix Unger. That's why our show. <laughs> maybe is, that's maybe it. we should start. Maybe we should have a new theme song. When we get together, yeah. When well, we get just, together, like we'll, the... we'll walk down the street and I'll throw some garbage on the ground and you can scowl at me and pick it up with your umbrella tip and. I'd throw like it in the to. Garbage. I'd like to be a little more butch and 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 less uh, a girly man than uh, than Felix on this. Cause hey, man, that guy was fathering kids. He had like a twenty-five-year-old wife when he was like seventy-eight years old and was doing one-arm push-ups on talk shows. So, you know, hmm. watch what you say about Tony Randall's masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I hit a Did I hit a source spot? Not with me. With Tony Randall. He. I think he was kind of overcompensating a little bit. But you yeah, know. Maybe, maybe that's funny. I don't give a shit what Tony Randall does with his spare time. Twenty-five <laughs> year olds, apparently. I guess so. Hey, you know, I I have trouble finding the twenty-five year olds myself. Anyway, toys, 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 toys. Let's talk some toys. So, what uh, what what came to mind immediately for you when when this when well, you thought of this? Well, um, my dad was a very like young thinking person, and he built a solar house by by hand. Him and three other people basically put up our house. And when he made my sisters in my room, outside of each of our room, he installed like 
Like I had a trapeze outside my room, and my sister had the, the rings that were, you know, the the parallel rings, you know, that you could do, you know, sort of gymnastic stuff on. And uh, so, along with those, I sort of think of these as a, a three thing of just these sturdy, crazy toys that, that lasted us for that got a lot of use were uh, these things called giant tinker toys, which were exactly that. They were gigantic. You know, kid size, as tall as kids, tinker toys made out of this incredibly, insanely durable plastic. And they came out just in time for me because there was one connector and then they had this, you know, the the bars were different sizes. There were yellow bars were the longest bar and then there were green bars and there were red bars. The red bars, when you fit them in this one connector, were a lightsaber. (laughs) You had a lightsaber, uh. you know, and so like I remember, you know, when all when my friends would come over, we could all grab the Tinker Toys and make, you know, thunk, stick our our lightsaber together and have real lightsaber fights. And then those parallel um, rings, you could fling them through the air and then like deflect them with the lightsaber so someone could stand across <laughs> a room and fling those things at someone with a lightsaber and whack them so you could do a little simulation of Luke on on the Millennium Falcon in his initial training with Obi-Wan so and we would and and we you know of course we were doing it with we were putting you know um blindfolds over our heads and then you know and then the great fun was whacking the other person in the head with the ring when they were blindfolded before they could deflect it with their <laughs> lightsaber. <laughs> that was always, there was always a bit of sadism in all the the games. Oh, yeah. Get a bunch of kids together. I remember that solar house. We had the whole class come there, and you were there. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was chaos. There were, like, kickball games going, and people ripping all around. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was Mr. Burghardt's class. What do you yep. got, what do you got on your list there? Well, I I try to do my list in sort of a, uh, a some somewhat of a chronological order of of as things you know as I could remember like the first toys I had or the first toys that I, I, I truly loved and cherished and all that. So my my list is kind of orderly, I guess. But uh, when I was about I think I was about seven years old. You know, my parents split up. You know, they they actually split up, and I remember my my mom just kind of, kind of literally just kind of taking me in the middle of the night and leaving. And when she did, of course, you know, I left behind all my toys. And I I I really think that that this is where I can lay all of my problems as uh, as an adult on that moment, and why I'm such a friggin' clutter bug, and why I collect everything and you know, toys and comics and just everything and why I'm just, you know, I, I hoard everything and I never want to get rid of anything. I think it all owes back to this childhood trauma of having to just leave everything but the clothes on my back in the middle of the night and leave it all behind. And probably the most cherished thing I had that I can remember from that time was I had, um, I have no idea what company put it out, but it was, I mean, it was a quality product. It was a Lone Ranger and silver action figures, but they were tall, like a G.I. Joe size. I know exactly Lone, what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I don't know what company that was, but I mean the Lone Ranger, you know, his mask was removable. His hat was removable. He had real clothes. He had a real gun belt. He had, you know, 
the the six guns. I mean, just a beautiful, beautiful toy. It was fully posable. It was yeah. It was hard. It was that rubbery, tough, solid yeah. plastic. Yeah, he was, uh, it was he just was a... made to last forever. I remember the commercials from that. Oh, really? The Lone Ranger's feet. He can he can run. He can dun da da Even wrestle with Butch Cavendish. It's Lone Ranger. That's right. Oh my God! Yeah, I do. Now that you I say don't that, remember I do. all the words, but I remember you know I remember it had and there was a Butch Cavendish doll who was his his arch rival. Well, many 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 years later. I would walk into uh, you remember the Globe Mini Mall in Watertown. Oh, sure. And they used to have all those little skeezy dives in there, you know, all these secondhand antique places and all that. And I walked into stores. one. Yeah, and I, there was one I used to go in every once in a while and look for comics, and they were always, you know, they'd have some weird ass comics, some old, I don't know, Howard the Ducks or something, and they were usually wicked overpriced and all that. And I walked in that place one day, and they had. A Lone Ranger, and I got him. I think I paid like, I think it was like thirteen dollars or something like this. It wasn't bad at all. He was all complete. You know, I still have him today. He's uh, his uniform's a little faded out, and you know, he he's he's old, you know, and but all that. But he was complete, man. He had every every accessory and everything. I I never did get another silver, but that was that was one of the toys that really, when I thought about this subject, that was one of the first ones that came to mind was. The Lone Ranger, man. I mean, I I love that thing. Um, uh, another one. Another one. This this one you probably remember. This one I had was uh, two. Uh, uh, well, it was actually I had three, three or four uh, Micronaut toys. I had Biotron, yeah. Microtron, and the only one I can remember his name was one of, of the little action figure size guys was Time Traveler. Yeah, and I had. A that, time I think that was the only one I ever had. Was and time I had travel. another one. He was blue, and I had another one that was red. And um, you know, Biotron. You know, you could open up his chest, and they could sit inside of Biotron like they were driving him, and you could turn him into this tank sort of creature. And Microtron was perverse. He was about half the size of Biotron, and he had two different heads: one sort of skull helmet, the sort of Viking head. And another that was sort of a little alien robot head. But right on his crotch, <laughs> right where <laughs> his crotch was, was a, was a corkscrew type, you know, like a screw-shaped triangular, like the kind of thing you'd see in, like, the voyage to the center of the Earth. Right, I mean, I, I, I can't mince words, right where his genitalias, his robot genitalias should have been. And it rotated. When, when he'd roll along, so the women must have loved him. Well, you know, it was, I was actually wondering if maybe you know some of these toys. Sometimes I don't know about the design of them. Maybe they think there's a secondary market for lonely widows or something. Because really, it was even as a little kid. Even as a little kid, when all my friends and I would play with this thing, we'd be like, "Good, hey, you know, this is kind of inappropriate." And then you could like stick his second head on it, and it would rotate on it, and oh, ha, 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 you know, very strange. Mom, but great have you toys. Seen my Biotron? <laughs> great toys. They had a lot of little pieces. Yeah, they had a lot of pieces. My Biotron smells funny. But, <laughs> So That's fucking wrong. I know. You started it. Anyway, <laughs> those things had all these little pieces in it, and I was a bad destructor of toys, and those things stood up to years of abuse. 
I wish I knew what happened to him. I, ne- I, were, I were uh, Micronauts expensive? I think I they mean, were. Yeah, because I, I mean, I'm serious. I think I only ever had one. I think Time Traveler was the only one I ever had. But I wanted them. I mean, they were fucking I think awesome. The only I remember reason- that one. I got Biotron as my dad probably saw it and was like, that's cool, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's that's probably why I got it for an exp- – you know, that was a lot of times like, the, you know, uh, we would get some of the stuff because there would be a secondary desire by my dad to play with it also. So. Oh, yeah. My dad was the same way. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a lot of the reason why – you know, you and I I'm were sure talking – you're the same way we- too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Def- I'm, I, I'll admit that, you know, wholeheartedly that I, a lot of the toys I get my kids are because, you know, I just look at it and go, wow, I'd love to sit and play with that, yep. you know. I mean, I, I make no bones about it, but, uh, you know, you and I were talking before we started that, you know, I, I – I, I give my parents a lot of grief sometimes about the fact that I did have kind of a shitty, messed up childhood. But, you know, I, I can't say that I lacked for toys. I mean, I really had a fucking shitload of toys. And I think that that was largely I, – I think my dad felt bad. You know, yeah. I think he felt guilty and stuff about you know, the divorce toys. and all that. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I used to take full advantage of that. And that will come up again that's, in a minute because there's another yeah. – Hey, that's a, that's just an intrinsic part of our generation's <laughs> psychology, you know. I think I oh, mean, yeah. my parents are divorced too and as, as you know, as, as you know, well, your parents are back together again, and it, which is a rare – yeah, rare, rare thing to happen. But, you know, I mean, most of the people, I, you know, it's it's a rare thing when I see people, they're like going to visit their parents and they're both parents live in the same house. So, yeah, so that, that'll that <laughs> probably come up a few more times in this episode. <laughs> well, uh, the next one I can think of after the Lone Ranger and that, that, that really holds a, a, a sweet sentimental spot in my heart was the... Uh, I, again, I don't know what company put it out, but it was the six million dollar man figure. It was the real Ooh, tall one. He cross, was probably like, yeah, I get to cross that off mine too. We yeah. can double team that one. I got that. You had one of those. Yes, oh, I, I did. love that thing. I remember the Christmas that I I can remember taking him out of his box. I can even remember how the box was put together with the engine block in a second separate yeah. section, and it would hook I, right onto his hand, and you'd crank it, and his arm would lift up the engine block. Calling Steve Austin on Mars. Your radio signal's weak. The new $6 million man with bionic grip and new Mission to Mars adventure set sold separately. Use his bionic eye. The radio tower fell. We'll fix it. Using his bionic grip. Careful, Steve. Grip it. Hold on. Did it. Mission accomplished. Kenner's new $6 million man with bionic grip. Mission to Mars adventure set sold separately. I used to have a uh, a lunchbox full mm-hmm. of all these like miscellaneous toy things from my childhood. And one of them was the $6 million man engine block. And a couple of years ago, I, I finally brought myself to part with it and I put it up on eBay. And I made a sweet little amount of money just say, off that stupid engine oh, block. Oh, sure. Oh, right? sure. The accessories are harder to find than the... I, the yeah. only my only complaint with Steve Austin is the first day I tore his his rollback skin. skin on his arm, yeah. <laughs> and I was very disappointed with that. And then he also had the eye that you could look through, but it did it, all. You, all it was was you could just basically see through the back of his head. It wasn't like a telescope yeah. or anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was still really cool, man. I mean, the six million dollar man was just. I've been watching the, that at by that the way. age. I- 
I've been slowly making my way through the episodes. It's a lot. It's a lot cheesier now looking back at it than oh, it was. I, I then. think it's great, and I'm, I'm having a blast watching it because uh, yeah, it's cheesy, but it's still it's it's just great fun. But uh, yeah, I was watching one the other morning where uh, he had a blowout and he had to change his tire, and he reaches down with his bionic arm and lifts up the thing, and I'm thinking, why wouldn't his arm just like rip right out? Because you know, <laughs> exactly. his arm is bionic, but you know, when you're doing the lifting, you're either using your legs or your back. Exactly. Usually, your back. So you know, his back wasn't bionically super strong. So, exactly. but anyway, that's but that's but, beyond the point. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the bionic transport and repair station? Yes, I do. I wanted that so bad. Colonel Steve Austin, the $6 million man, and the new bionic transport and repair station. The rocket's crashing. We'll put him in the bionic repair station. We can rebuild him. We'll replace the modules in the bionic arm. No injury here. We'll have to check his eye. Bionic eye, A-OK. $6 million man, ready for action. New bionic transport and repair station sold separately. The Six Million Dollar Man, new from Kenner. I had one, it's man. Not on it my, it's not on my list, but now it just made my wanted list. I forgot I about that. I couldn't remember the name of it. I had to look it up. Yeah, but, uh, that, it had, was... that had all the stuff that you'd, like, they were little strings with, like, gas pumps in them. They, yeah, and you'd, you'd plug them, them into his arms and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now for those for those that are too young or whatever that don't know what the hell we're talking about the the six million dollar man he literally his his right arm and both of his legs had fake skin that you could you could literally roll it back like and sleeve, you would see yeah. the mechanical parts of of his insides that was the whole gimmick on that show is that you know his his right arm and his legs were mechanical because he had been in this horrible accident and now he was a cyborg so you could roll his skin back. And and actually like tinker with his with his electronic parts. It was really cool. I I loved that toy. What else, what else you got? Well, um, one what one that um, I I just want to mention two model kits. I loved model kits, so I I, I was sort of debated whether to consider them toys. And sure, it was. Pl- and once I made them, I played with them. Two of my favorite models. These will come back in my Star Trek Star Wars too because I had a lot of those was um um I had a model of the ship from Space 1999 which I was very proud of and I'd painted it all with this silver paint which I thought looked really cool and I had uh the Goodyear blimp model and the Goodyear blimp model <laughs> actually had a mecha- a motor in it and you could and a light and then a rotating drum and you could take little pieces of paper and color in all the dots that you didn't want to and leave dots open so you could have your own little messages rotate up on the blimp and it looked like it was you know printing out in the dot matrix screen of the blimp and that was one of that was one of my favorite things putting it together was super challenging and then once it worked it was really cool you know and i always hmm. wondered what happened to those <laughs> Those are two of the models that I. There were a lot of other models that I put together that I didn't have much luck with. <laughs> you would think, you know, with my my dad's, you know, my my hobby, my main hobby has always been comics. My dad's main hobby all his life has been building models. model cars. So you would think that some of that shit would have rubbed off. Not a bit. I, I tried to build models and I sucked at it. The only one I ever built that I thought I did a halfway decent job with was I, I built the movie style Enterprise, 
you know, about the time that I got really into Star Trek, you know, between like two and three, I built one, but looking back on it, it probably sucked too. I just, I'll get into my, I'll get into my stories with enterprise models in the next (laughs) segment. (laughs) Well, another one that came to mind for me, this this is another huge sentimental favorite. And one of the earliest toys I can remember having was, uh, I had because I, I I remember everybody I knew was obsessed with this guy was Evil Knievel. Mm-hmm. I had the Evil Knievel stunt van where he would actually like you'd put the ramp on the back of the stunt van and yeah. wind the hell out of Evil Knievel and let it go and it would actually jump and do a midair fr- like front flip yeah or, or no back flip I guess it was and then it would come down in front at least that's what they showed in the commercial well 60 minutes did a whole expose on how those didn't really work and it did, never even took the piss out of them it, we didn't care as oh, kids no. yeah. we were just like shut thing. up 60 minutes i want i still want the fucking ripcord i you know i just for i got um two of the gi joe motorcycles and one of the you know little launcher ramps that you can uh-huh. put the motorcycles in at a garage sale for a buck last year. Oh, and, wow. And I, did, I thought they might be Evil Knievel, but they didn't have any sticker of the stickers on them. One of them just had a red, white, and blue sticker on it, and I'm like, these are probably Evil Knievel. Either way, for a buck, they're cool, you know, and they work. You can still launch them, and although they don't really go right because they need a guy gripped onto them. And remember, well, you could some... sort of grip him onto them, and, and you could – have him do doing handstands and, stuff. and yeah. stuff on it and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you introduced a little quote about these toys to me before the show. And oh, I think God. you should read should that I, on the show. Should I read this? All right. I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but I got the biggest kick out of it. If so here it goes. If they're easily offended, we lost them a long time ago, <laughs> so, many months ago. Well, you know, Evil Knievel, you know, he was one of my heroes growing up. And, you know, you have to remember the era that Chris and I were growing up. You know, the 70s yeah. and 80s, they'd never even fucking heard of the term political correctness, okay? Oh, was... But Evil, Evil Knievel was – he was the man in my opinion. I don't think anybody cooler ever lived than fucking Evil Knievel. He was just cool. He'd say anything and he didn't give a shit. Yeah, and that's I, why I, I... I'm saying you don't even need a disclaimer for this this clip evil can i'm just said i'm it. just explaining I'm sure my if he my... was alive today he'd be proud he said it and oh, i yeah. think it's goddamn he never com- yeah he never compromised man that's i'm just i'm, I'm not really giving a dis- disclaimer so much as i'm i'm just saying why i loved evil yeah. he was just cool as hell you know yeah he was like he 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 was like the Wolverine of our time, in in my opinion. You know what I mean? He was mm-hmm. he he had that that same cool factor where he just didn't give a shit what people thought. Yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, here <laughs> this is what he has to say. Since next year, the ideal toy company is going to make a lot of evil Knievel toys. One toy I'd like them to make is my own idea. I think it's the most super toy in the world. You wind it up, it goes like a little bugger, goes across the floor, grabs this little Barbie doll, throws her on the floor, gives her a little loving, jumps back on the motorcycle, and goes whizzing out the door, screaming, G.I. Joe is a faggot! <laughs> what a jump! Evil's riding the amazing story cycle. That gyro power sends him over 100 feet at top speed. And he's not through yet! Into the dragster, evil super sprint car with built-in drag chute to slow him down. What a hook! And now the sky cycle, that daredevil death-defying supersonic sky plane on wheels. And here he is on the super cool chopper bike with the power that can really rip. He's 
sensational. He's Evo Knievel. He's a knockout. He's ideal. I read that. It's just <laughs> That is so evil, Knievel. That's fucking that, hysterical. Man. There were I just only two people during. There were only two people during that time period of our youth who could say stuff like that and mean it, and it was always just awesome. And the other person was Muhammad Ali. Oh yeah. Muhammad yeah. Ali would come out and just start bragging about something, and it was pure po. You know, it was just ridiculous, over the top poetry. And for the most part, it should sort of turn you off with its braggartness. But it was just awesome you know it was just it was showmanship you know it was it was showmanship coupled with they really felt that way they were speaking they were really speaking their mind but they knew how to really present it in an awesome and sort of in throwing it in everybody's face sort of way well about the same time that i got rid of my uh six million dollar man engine block i finally parted with do you remember the red chair that I had from Evil Knievel. I had that thing for years. It was the only piece I had left of my Evil Knievel stunt van was this little ornate red chair. I think he called it his throne, but I could be wrong. But it was this little chair. And I had that thing forever. And as a matter of fact, um, when we used to play with our, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, when we used to play with with Randy's Enterprise Bridge playset, that doubled as a chair on the bridge, you know, for like a right. whole another station right. on the bridge. We used to put it in there. So, yeah, I got rid of that a while ago. Well, they released uh, – re-released, rather, Evil Knievel with the with the bike and the wind-up thing as a toy. This is probably – gosh, Scotty was really little. So this is probably eight to ten years ago, and I was so excited to see this. I wanted to introduce – you know, at that time, Scotty was an only child. You know, I wanted to introduce my son to – the greatness of the evil Knievel stunt cycle, you know? So I bought the thing and got it home and he gives it a wind up, lets it go. It runs into something. The fucking forks break off the motorcycle. I was like, God damn it. So I go back to the store. I buy it. And I do this like three or four times and they just keep breaking. They had made this, the motorcycle out of this like pretty brittle, like cheap, shitty plastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, every time everybody would, would just display it and not play with it. Yeah. You know? That, Probably yeah, that was probably the intention, but yeah. So we, I ended up just taking Screw it back. That, man, I'm playing with it. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't make them sturdy because I, I bet you the one I had when I was a kid, somewhere somebody's probably still playing with that yep. damn thing. It's probably still going. Yep. Because they, they made them to last they back then because they knew we were going to be destructive. <laughs> well, it was just like that. You know, that reminds me of what we were talking about before the show. Uh, Stretch Armstrong. Oh, a game, yeah. you know, a toy. I remember seeing the commercials, and it's like you can stretch him as far as across the room, and he won't stretch and stretch and stretch, and he won't break. And oh, yeah. that is a direct challenge to any little kid. <laughs> and, yes, and, it is. And, and two little kids, and just a little bit of willpower, and a little bit of free time, and all of a sudden, Stretch Armstrong is hemorrhaging. You know, um, um, caro syrup. You know, and it, and of course, the caro syrup inside of him is what color? blood red yep. so the minute he would get a little slit in him it would start just like red you know how many little kids probably like fainted dead away when stretch armstrong's arm popped off and the blood started just slowly 
blobbing out like like the blob. Well, yeah, I mean, if you if you grabbed if if one kid grabbed one arm and the other kid grabbed another arm and you ran like hell in opposite directions and done. pulled him apart, was done. it would be like the old drawn and quarter day where it would literally it would like snap open <laughs> exactly. and that shit would fly everywhere and it did look like blood. So it I mean, was. it would kind of traumatize a kid. I sure. think. Sure. I mean, I remember <laughs> now. Now, flash forward into my college years. I remember being on like strong psychedelic drugs in the basement of my friend. Kev- you remember Kevin? You used to play video games with him. Yes, we were in. His- we burned up a television playing <laughs> Castlevania. <laughs> we, we were in his basement. There's a whole group of us, and it was some summer day, and he's got his pool, family pool table down there, which is bent at all these different angles. So he's kicking everybody's ass and he's bragging about, I played, this is where I used to play when I was a kid. And he's like, I got these toys. They're the greatest toys in the world. And they were basically a, a gyroscope in a ball. And you would, you would, um, I think you would like sort of run them across the floor, like and rev up a little, and then you would, and then they would vibrate and quiver and you would put them, set them in the back of like a little car, and the quivering would make the car go forwards. And he's like, "I had these as a kid. And these little gyroscopes—they're tough as hell. We would bang them with hammers, and we'd try to break them. You can't break these things; they are unbreakable." And of course, my ears perk up, and I go, well, "That, that <laughs> yeah, sounds a like a challenge out. to me, man." And he's like, "Oh, it is a challenge. I put it here. Here, he puts it in my hand. He goes, he goes." You can, you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, well, I hand it back to him, and I'm like, I don't know, man. It's your childhood toy. And he's like, no, honestly, these things are the strongest thing. And he's a big fucking gorilla of a guy. And he's just <laughs> like, these things, you can, th- and you can throw them as hard as you want. And he wings it against the, wall, the cement wall of his basement, and, of course, it flies into a million pieces. <laughs> and everybody's looking at him, and he's just got this shocked look you know, on his face of his childhood being shattered. His unbreakable childhood has now been shattered into a million pieces before all his friends. And he's just like, but, 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 but. And I'm like, yeah, you're a lot bigger now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. The, the indestructible <laughs> challenge. Don't. Just don't. <laughs> well, uh, let me see. Whose turn is it? I don't know. It's your turn. How about that? It's how's my that, turn. Oh, okay. Oh, well, pfft. All right, this next one, you're going to have to rein me in because I could go and go and go on this subject. This this was the biggie right here was uh, – all right. Well, it all started when uh, when my parents you know, were starting to try to reconcile and everything and my dad was trying to, trying to come back you know, into, into my mom and I's life and everything. And my birthday time was coming up. And I remember talking to him on the phone. He's like, you know, so what, you know, what do you want daddy to get you for your birthday? And as loath as I am to admit it, because I absolutely hate the thing today, uh-huh. I was huge, huge on the old Adam West TV, you know, Batman TV sure. show. So was I. You know, like was, everybody was. I mean, yeah. yeah, everybody was. I mean, as much as I hate it and I give it a lot of shit today, I mean, I was, you know, I was six, I was really you know, six or seven yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, me too. So what did I want? I wanted the Batcave, you know, oh, the, the Mego yeah. Batcave. And lo and behold, birthday time comes around, you know, daddy's trying to get back on mommy's good graces and everything. I got the fucking Batcave, the Batmobile, the Bat Cycle. I got every Batman Mego they friggin' made, which I actually, now that I think about it, I don't know that there were all that many Batman-related ones, but I know I had... 
There you was know, of course, Batman woman, and Robin. Penguin, I had Batman. Yeah, Robin. I had Penguin, Joker. I don't know if Riddler. I ever had a Batgirl. I think I wanted one, but I never got one. Uh oh, it's the Penguin and the Joker. What can they be up to? Oh no, are they going to steal the Batmobile? Can it be? Can they get away with it? Flash the bat signal. The dynamic duo will be needed here for this. I hope they see it. Success! Into action, Robin. The Batcane's computer plots the strategy. They'll need Batcycle and Batcopter for this one. Let's split up and hit them high and low, boy wonder. Holy leap and bad cycle! We've got to capture those dastardly villains. Trapped at the pass! That should hold the two of you for a while. I don't know if I had a Riddler either. I can't remember. There's some of them I can't remember. I went to the... the what was that site called? Mego Museum? The Mego Museum. Yeah, I went there and started looking at figures, and I was surprised. That there was some of them I, I looked at and go, God, I can't remember if I had this one or not. But I had a ton of Migos. I mean, I went through – I bet you I, over, over the course of my childhood, I went through probably a dozen Superman and Hulk figures because they just didn't last for me. I'd wear, the, yeah. wear them the hell out. The you know? Migos weren't the strongest of the – they were some of the coolest looking action figures, oh, yeah. but they were kind of made of – some of them were better made than others, but a lot of times they were made of kind of flimsy plastic. Well, you know, for me to this very day, you know, my 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 oldest boy, well, actually both my kids are really into the Marvel Legends figures that are right. coming out now. And they are nice. I mean, they're nicely sculpted. They're really beautiful figures. They're very super detailed. articulated. But they stink as far as playability. I mean, right. my kids wear them the hell out in a week because right. they're made you know, they're, to be put in a pose and set exactly, up on a shelf. Exactly. They're not made for a kid to wear them out. And my kids are like I was. They wear them out, you know. And so to this very day, Mego action figures to me are still the gold standard of action figures because these things, they looked like the characters – they had real cloth outfits that right. were super nicely done. I mean, I just I loved these things. Yeah. And uh, you know, some of the ones that came to mind as you know, as I was thinking back on it, you know, Superman of course was always my favorite. Any chance to ever pick up any kind of Superman doll or action figure or anything like that, I would always pick them up. I had the twelve inch Superman the movie figure, the one that right. sort of kind of looked like Christopher Reeve. There were actually, I found this out by looking it up on the web. There were actually two versions of this. I had the like the really super buff one, and I loved it. I still have. I think I actually still have him somewhere. I think he's in a box somewhere, and you know he's a little bit he's a little beat up today, but you know I loved that thing. But uh, Captain Marvel, I went through a lot of Captain Marvels because uh -huh. I just distinctly remember the Human Torch was a cool amigo. The, yeah, thing, I, the thing was a pretty cool Amigo, too. Never had the thing, but I always wanted to get him. I wanted to get I the whole, whole bunch fantastic. a few years ago, and, and that, that's what I'm remembering these from, the, which uh, ones are. The Green Arrow was a neat one, too. I had him, and I had his Arrow car, which I don't, you know. I got lucky because a lot of times, you know, I knew a lot of kids, you know, a lot of my friends and all, who would get into figures, you know, even like Star Wars and stuff, and right. they'd get into the figures, but they had figures, and they might have had every damn figure there was, but 
a lot of kids didn't get the 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 stuff that went with them, right. you know, like the cars or the or well, the playsets. I had the Arrow car. I had Spider Man in his Spider car. I had Captain America in his America car. I mean, that thing is like super yeah. friggin' rare today. I had Steve Austin's car for a little while. Oh, one year I got Steve Austin's car, and my sister got this Barbie car. And the Steve Austin car was cool because it had when he was sitting in the in the driver's seat, you could hit a button and the driver's seat would sort of like fling out and like fling him out of the car. You know, it was a, a quick, quick release sort of out, out the side of the car. It was really cool. I had, uh, I had Thor and I like, uh-huh. I remember I immediately lost his hammer. I, it's like the minute the thing was out of the package, the, the hammer was gone. Yeah, what good is Thor without his hammer? Yeah, you know? exactly. So, <laughs> So he was just a long-haired hippie that hung out with the rest exactly. of them. Exactly, he was just a he was just a fucking steroided-out musclehead. <laughs> I still have Captain America's shield to this very day, and I have That's I have cool. a couple like miscellaneous. I may I think I have some outfits of some of these guys. I might have a complete Spider-Man somewhere, but other than that, you and I went out in the woods when we were how old? Were we? we were probably sixteen or so, fifteen, yeah. sixteen. Old enough to where we started becoming a little more destructive yep. <laughs> when it came to toys. And we smashed the hell out of all those Migos. And I, yeah. oh, it was fun at the time, and it's fun to look back on in a way. I don't but even want to think about it now, yeah. actually, because it's like, well, I will. I'll talk about it for the sake of this show. But, oh, my God, you know, when I picked up, I picked up all these Mego figures. I, I like, the guy said, make an offer, and I'll, I'm like, I'll give you five bucks a piece for them. And like, then he's like, "Tell you what," and it ended up they were like three fifty a piece, and you know, and I was selling those oh. things on eBay for a while and just marveling at how much they were worth, and you know, researching them and and starting to get interested in them, and then I started remembering you and I just, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to think about all the things that we used to destroy that you know could be potentially like putting your kids through college <laughs> someday, oh, I know it. I know it. <laughs> and then we, and we just like destroyed them with relish like haha well yeah. i remember my favorite toy destruction of all time was you and i got a hold of my sister's john travolta saturday night fever doll <laughs> and we melted that sucker <laughs> to a brick we melted him on a brick till he was just black bub- he was basically black bubbly plastic on a brick and one arm that was just a charred stump of an arm that we went out in the swamp behind my house and buried with it sticking out of the swamp you know help me style <laughs> as as i was telling you recently when we were when we came up with the idea for this show and you reminded me about john travolta who i had not thought about in years and years and years uh-huh. i like to think that somewhere out in those woods in that little patch of swamp yeah, it's that a that little arm is still reaching to that out. arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that arm was reaching out, like it was pleading to God, "Help me!" You know? <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Another, just a sidebar to that. Um, I don't know if it was if it was you or somebody else, but my sister had a ba- realistic baby doll called Dinah. That, that we also charred and that thing looked like a baby corpse and we threw that out in the woods to dispose of the body and a few days later I was home with my sister and my mother and the dog came marching out of the woods proudly holding what to everybody but me who knew what it was appeared to be a charred baby corpse like trotting out of the woods it was this little beagle dog 
dumpty 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 dum and like this doll is made out of rubber so the arms and legs are sort of you know wobbling like real it was it was bad seeing my sister what 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 does the dog and she thinks her dog's got a dead baby in its mouth and stuff and my mother starts screaming and and then, of course, when it was determined what it was, it was a whole different kind of screaming going on, because <laughs> guess who got the blame for that? <laughs> and I remember Scott and I making a video, which is long lost, of, um, I think my mother oh, might have taped over it, with, with, it of, uh, we put Baby Alive up on a, <laughs> on some sort of platform in the backyard, and we're using your bullwhip to whip the head out. You know, we put the batteries in so Baby Alive's head would be going and crack that thing with the whip. And it was a rubber baby with this whole – it basically had a skull underneath the skin with all these mechanical parts that made its jaw work and stuff. Yes, which I found out painfully when I belted when her in the mouth it, one time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when the whip would hit it, it was just the most horrifying thing because it was the sound of, like, bone and flesh. Oh, it was bad. It was great. We were laughing our asses off. And we now were, we're just – Yeah. And then, then it was – then we grew up and it was either podcast or be serial killers. So here we are. Here we are for now. I don't know if I've made the right decision, but I'll go with it for now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, what have I got next? I don't know. Um, I think we should do a couple more and then wind it up because we could go forever. We're we're going to. Oh, I know it. I know it. Well, uh, let me see. I'm probably I was going to talk about action figures, but I'll, I'll kind of breeze through that to get to uh, something that, that I, I imagine every kid out there had at least a couple of. But uh, action figures, I, I had a lot of other different action figures besides just Amigos. Of course, they were my, my favorite ones. But uh do you remember uh, um, Indiana Jones? They sure. they tried to spin him off into a series of figures like like the Star Wars, and they really sure. I think they only ever really got just the first movie done. I, I still I, got some of those today. I don't think I don't think kids took to those as much because I think the fantasy. I think kids are more into stuff like um, futuristic or militaristic when it comes to their action figures yeah. and stuff. I think those are the ones that kids really glom onto because, you know, the militaristic... Because both of them have all sorts of cool hardware. And Indiana Jones had potential hardware, but it was all kind of historical and stuff, and I don't think that's as attractive yeah. to little kids as... It, it, you know, back in the days, maybe... When um, if they were in the fifties, when cowboys and Indians and frontier western stuff was really big, Indiana Jones act- action figures might have had a, a bit more of a life to them. Well, speaking of that, I have a complete set of uh, Legend of the Lone Ranger figures, ah. which I was pleased to find. I didn't realize I had the whole set until recently. I was I went on some website and was looking at it, and I was like, "Damn, I've got every one of these!" So I actually have the whole set of those. Never really played with them very much. They're in great condition. I just I just liked them. I just thought they were really cool, really detailed. And they had some unusual ones. I mean, like, where else could you get a General George Armstrong Custer action figure? Yeah, you know? I right. I thought that was cool. And I got a complete set of Tron figures, which that that's one of my cherished my cherished things. Um you know, on one of my trips down to Disney, um, you know, we used to when we you'd stay on property, a lot of times people will set up window displays in their hotel room and you know they'll put out like their collection of of you know disney memorabilia you know stuffed animals or books or you know just whatever they're proudest of they'll make a little window display 
for for whatever reason, I don't know, it's just that it's a thing that caught on that people do. So one year when we went down, I took all my Tron guys and, and made a little Tron display uh-huh. in the window of our hotel room. So my Tron figures have actually been to, to Disney World with me, which I get a kick out of. That's funny. But, but the one I wanted to talk about, the the one that uh, I, I wonder if – I don't remember you having any of these, but I imagine there will be a lot of other listeners that go, oh, yeah, is Viewmasters. Oh, yes. I have Viewmaster on my list. I love oh, yeah. Viewmasters. I man. had the, my favorite Viewmaster of all time when I was a kid was Scooby-Doo with the Abominable Snowman. Oh, I don't remember that one. It was great. It was at a sawmill. It was set in a sawmill. And now, it was, was it – was it animated or it was, I mean you know I mean was it drawn or was it like the claymation style It was it was drawn Oh okay but The claymation style ones are great too I had a bunch of Warner Brothers you know Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig ones that were that were in that clay, you know where they actually made clay figure dioramas you know Right yeah those I are the ones I'm talking about those were my favorites There was one where Bugs I can't remember if it was Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck or someone went up into space and it, you know, they were hanging onto a rocket ship that was flying up in the upper atmosphere, and that was a really great 3D picture with the models. The ones I can remember of those claymation types is they had the Flintstones, and there was uh-huh. the one where they were fighting over the stake. Yeah, remember it was like Barney and Fred were having a tug of war over a stake. Uh-huh. And then there was another one that I found out years later was uh, was an adaptation of an old Mickey Mouse cartoon. It was called the Clock Cleaners. And it was where Mickey, Donald, and Goofy were up on this big clock tower cleaning it. And it was just like a series of misadventures. Yeah, Goofy, Buster like, Keaton style. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Well, and uh, Star Trek. There was a Star oh, Trek. yeah. And it was, of all episodes uh-huh. to pick, they picked the friggin' Omega, Omega Glory, Glory. Which is one of the worst episodes. <laughs> it's like nothing really visual. Yeah. You know, yeah, they should have picked something like the Doomsday Machine or something where it had space things going yeah. on. Well, it's, stuff like it's just like I, I, I was looking through and I found my Star Trek photo novels. And I found the photo novel. One of my photo novels was for Metamorphosis, which is <laughs> the one with Zephyrin Cochran. Right. And, you know, nothing happens. and It's all dialogue, that one, basically, and a couple little special effect scenes with, you know, the companion. But it's mostly dialogue. And... uh it makes for a very boring photo novel, and the same with you know <laughs> Viewmaster. But yeah, Viewmasters were were awesome. You know, it was just you know for, it wasn't my first um, exposure to that three D the three D process like that because my father used to have this old fashioned stereopticans where you'd put the oh yeah the, the card in with the two pictures, which is basically the same idea as a Viewmaster. It's just Viewmaster; it has it all contained. Right and uh, so, um, just you mentioning Viewmaster, I just like to rifle off some just like stuff that doesn't. I don't really need to talk about, but just you know, our toys that that you know you don't really need to talk about them, but everybody plays with them, and that's like Lego, Play-Doh, and Spirograph. Oh yeah, those were those were three that I spent a lot of time with, like young little little kid. And color then, forms. Do you remember color, color forms? forms? I, oh, I, I just, I just somewhere I've got a Jabba's Palace color form, and I picked up a Jabba's Palace. Um, it was um, what Presto those? Magic. Presto Magic. I was just trying to think of what you called that. Yeah, this, I've this got a Cloud was, City one. This one's like a board game with the picture on it, 
it, you know, oh, it folds out like a board game. But they, but the usually Presto Magics would be just sort of hanging up, and they were just like a little plastic baggie with a card with you know a full un, unfurling sort of little card with a diorama of like Cloud City, and then right. these little plastic decal rub off decal things with all the characters and like their arms with guns and you could put together a whole scenario and you only had one crack at it but you know you could make your own little picture with them i gotta find mine because i have a you know before return of the jedi came out i remember everybody in my circle of friends hated lando because we thought he was a traitor you know he had sold han out and all that right and so we used to just be cruel to well, anything the, that between, was lando between empire and jedi jedi lando was kind of scowled upon and jedi he got to redeem himself and and right. sort of took the piss out of our lando hate you know my cloud city presto magics i'm pretty sure has lando catching a bla- uh, laser blast right in the face no I'm you know sure. what it is you know what it is <laughs> It's the Sarlacc pit, because I remember you doing that. It has Han, because remember he, Han was like blindly shooting the, the, the blaster down there, and you and you put, and I remember you just having one. And because in Battle in Outer Space Wars, I believe we had that scene, when we did that scene, Han just kept shooting him, like was kept shooting him, and it's like, yay, you know, type of thing. So, yeah, we took out a lot of aggressions on Lando at first. <laughs> He was the only he was the only like main character that had any kind of like that started out as a I, I guess as a I guess you know now when I watch Empire I don't perceive him as a bad guy you know he's a guy is a rock in a hard place right and, and then he he made it seem he basically made it seem like he was a turncoat because that was the only direction he could go in but once he once it went to that he just played along with it till he got his chance to bust out Han so. You know, he wasn't really a turncoat, but when you're a kid, you see things too black and white. You know, it's just, it's just like, you know, he betrayed him. You know, and right. cha- and then he changed his mind. But now I look at it, it was probably more of, you know, it's that sort of, it's he's like Han. That's that's how in Indiana Jones, that's how the people who have those adventures, that's how they have to plan things. Sometimes they have to let things go south a little bit because they can't win, and then they have to back up and wait for another chance to get their way so anyway that's <laughs> that's uh that's neither here nor there um <laughs> the the one other game i or one other toy that i want to mention is sort of skirting it's uh the line of video games but it wasn't a video game it was a tomy race car game and uh it was totally mechanical you had a little steering wheel and you had a car that was like on a plastic bar Oh, and then I there were like that. four little like rotating tracks with cars on them, and when your car would pass over, it probably would hit something magnetic, and it would like light up and like crash, crash. So you had to avoid all the other cars, and you could shift gears on it. I played with that thing for years. For usually those games, really, really sucked. You know, they just <laughs> didn't work good. They were good in theory, and they looked good in the package. And you got them home, and you play with them for ten minutes. But this thing was actually challenging, and you could, like, you know, shift gears. You could actually strategize with it, and it was, like, the most close to a a video game that a mechanical game ever, you know, a battery-operated mechanical game ever came. And I I played the hell out of that thing. (laughs) 
So I'm thinking, was, I'm thinking yeah. you should do one more. That's pretty much all I got. I, I'll go back oh, okay. to Viewmasters for a second. Oh, though, sorry. I was, no, that's cool. I was just thinking about uh, about the Viewmasters. I knew there was another one that I had, and I, could, I was trying to rack in my brains what it was. It was there was a. I don't know what you would call them. It was like a remember Viewmasters. Sometimes they would come in a set, and it yeah. would be a can. It was literally like uh-huh. a like a can. It was like a little tiny film can, and it was yeah. metal or plastic. And, uh, I had one, and it was I think it was just called the Superpowers Collection or something like that. And it was all these different DC superheroes. It was like Superman and uh, Shazam, uh-huh. and I think there was a Wonder Woman, and all these different ones. I had that. And I had a, I had a, bu- I just had a bunch of Viewmasters. Well, I remember my, for some reason, I don't know why. Now I can't remember why they asked me, and I can't remember why in the hell I did it. But my uh, my uncle Gary's kids got into Viewmasters, and somehow or other, the cat got out of the bag that I had a whole ton of Viewmasters. So they started, and they asked, you. yeah, well, they asked to borrow them one time. So I lent them over, you know, not really thinking much of it. Well. My uncle Gary and his wife, they, you know, they were the kind of people that, you know, they'd go through their kids' rooms periodically uh, and clean out all their old stuff and just, like, donate it to, to Goodwill or whatever. So, you know, quite a while goes by, and one day I, you know, I just try to politely inquire, you know, can I have my Viewmasters back? You know, whatever happened to my Viewmasters? And they had donated it to, like, Goodwill or whatever and just got rid of it. And, you know, even at the, that time, I knew that that shit had to be worth a fortune, you know, because, right. I mean, I had all these original Viewmasters, and, I, oh, it just killed me, man. Yeah. I was, oh. So this day, you know, here and there, every once in a while when I, you know, when I think about it, I'll do little searches trying to slowly rebuild, like, my old Viewmaster collection. And I actually did find that that canister set with the superheroes. I actually bought that again a few years ago on eBay and did all right on it. You know, I, I wanted I wanted that one. That was the main one that meant something to me. They're was one the of those ones. things like Pez dispensers that so many people love to collect yeah. that, that I don't even mess with it because unless I find them in a garage sale and stuff. And even when you find them at garage sales, people are like, these are old Viewmasters. They're worth a million dollars. So yep. <laughs> they slap, a, you know, $20 a piece on them or whatever for the crappiest yep. ones with like some of the, you know, little frames punched out and stuff like that. But uh, I've been trying to build a collection of uh, – I, I never – you know, I didn't realize how big Viewmasters were. I mean, I remember having them and I knew the were... Viewmasters with sound on them with, that had like a little oh, record yeah. printed on them? Yeah. Yeah. I never awesome. had any, but I remember them. They have but I didn't realize just... that – I mean, every – it was like every place in America, every city, every national park, every landmark, yep. everything had a friggin' Viewmaster. And I didn't – I just didn't realize that. Well, a couple of years ago, I discovered that, you know, there's a million different sets out there for, uh, for like, Disneyland oh, yeah. and quite a few for Disney World and stuff like that. So I've been trying to slowly collect those over the years, at, you know, fun. as I can chance across them. Well, you know, most of them I've been able to, to luck into fairly cheap. The the ones I really want that are worth, you know, I, I just can't ever seem to touch them because they, they always go for a lot of money is there was a set of uh, Epcot ones that I guess are pretty rare. And, uh, you know, those are ca- kind of hard to come across. But, uh, yeah, I, I still, you know, they, they may be a kind of outdated toy with just all the new technology and all the new things kids have today. But I still think they're kind of cool. Uh, they'll never go out of style. It's 3D. <laughs> 3D is awesome. 
Everybody loves 3D. Well, that's about all I got. Yeah, I I got one other thing, but it's just to mention it was the only the first toy I saved my money and bought, and that was this Monster Maker toy where you had these little rub off things with the head, middle, and and it had all the Universal monsters and a few others, and you could shift all their parts together and put a piece of paper and do a little rubbing and make a picture. That was one of my favorites. It's like one of those fashion plate type of things. It was exactly like that, but with with monsters, you know, and. <laughs> You know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, all the universal monsters. It was great. And I remember seeing it, and I actually saved my allowance and bought it and was really proud to do that. But now we go into our next part. I don't know which part. This, these are all my favorite parts, but this one's going to be great. Next part is Star Wars and Star Trek toys. Star Wars figures. R2-D2. Chewbacca, Luke, and Princess Leia. They're the Star Wars early bird set of figures. These four action figures are not yet available, but this Star Wars early bird certificate package is in stores. With this colorful Star Wars picture display stand and certificate to send in to get a set of four figures by mail. They'll be sent to you at home between February 1st and June 1st. The Star Wars early bird certificate package. New from Kenner. You can turn your room into a planetarium with a Star Trek intergalactic projector. Enterprise approaching Big Dipper. Accurately shows all the constellations. These cards help you identify them. Enemy craft from Jupiter. While these light beam pointers let you play Star Trek like never before. Runs on 2D and 2AA cell batteries not included. Star Trek Intergalactic Projector comes with light beam pointers and identification cards by Migo. Okay, we're back, and in this section, we're going to talk for just a moment about Star Trek toys, um, which I don't think either of us really had a whole lot of, and then we're going to move into our true love in the world of toys, which is the world of Star Wars, Kenner Star Wars toys, but first, Star Trek, and... uh, for me, you know, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of Star Trek toys. I really wanted to talk about um, – I know, you know, you you and I, Chris, we've mentioned Randy several times yes. probably in this show and in prior shows. And people are probably like, Randy, who the hell's Randy? Well, it also gets confused because you might say like my Uncle Randy. So people right. picture this older guy, but he was our age. Right. Yeah, he, he is – Randy is my father's youngest brother who is literally only three days older than I am. So when I would go and I would, you know, stay with my grandparents, maybe, you know, spend the night or spend a weekend or whatever at my grandparents' house, Randy was there too. And because he was, you know, Chris and I's age, you know, he, he was just like, you know, another one of our friends, you know, I mean, biologically he's my uncle, but I mean, you know, being the same age, he was just another guy that we hung out with, you know, so it was really cool. And so that's who Randy is, you know, like I say, biologically my uncle, but really just a good friend, you know, a really good friend of both Chris and I. Well, Randy was really big into Star Trek, and he had the Enterprise Bridge playset, and he had just about all of the Star Trek Migos. And so that's where, you know, I I played with it. I don't think growing up as a kid, I mean, I've got some now that I think I've gotten – through like I don't know yard sales or something, but right. as a kid, I don't think I actually owned any of my own Migos. But Randy had, you know, he had Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Scotty. Um, 
and I remember he had a share on, you know, he's uh-huh. the half white, half, half black, uh, yeah. Half alien. white, half black alien. Yeah. Right and, I th- and Oh, a Klingon. That was the other one. He had a Klingon. And I think that was all he ever had. And I can remember we would play with that bridge play set. And because they didn't make a, um, uh, Chekhov or Sulu, it would always be like Superman and Captain Marvel at the helm, you know, something <laughs> like it was great. You know, I can re- distinctly remember Superman always being in, in Sulu's seat. And then the other one would be like Robin or Captain Marvel or something. It was great. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, the only Star Trek toys that I had as a kid that I can really remember with any clarity is um, I had the Star Trek utility belt, you know, which had a yeah. little non had a non working communicator and a little non working phaser, and then later they they came out with the phaser that would take like eighty four C batteries to make the light light up, you know, uh, yeah. and stuff. Uh, you know, I had that kind of stuff. That's 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 my one Star Trek toy that I can really remember being one was the phaser. You stocked it up with batteries, but it made the phaser sound. Yep. And it was awesome. I just yep. would run around blasting that thing all the time. And um I wouldn't you- even call this a toy, but I also one of my prized Star Trek things is my parents would always give me the Star Trek calendars every year. So mm-hmm. I always have the Star Trek calendar on my wall. But I inherited from a family friend, this kid, uh, David Redfield, didn't want any more. We traded shirts or whatever. But basically he traded me a, a Star Trek red shirt. You have a school picture and in that shirt. there's a school picture. Someday I'll find it and post <laughs> that sucker up where I'm in there with my little nerd glasses. I believe they may even be taped together at the bridge. In, in in my red shirt shirt, proud as hell. The I wore it at school picture day. I'm wearing my star. It was my favorite Star Trek shirt. It had the you know it had the gold leaf on the on the um, cuffs of it and everything. It was awesome. And the patch, you know, it had an actual patch on it. Oh, I just love. I it. remember that picture because you're sitting there so proud, just grinning like a jack o' lantern. Exactly, with that, with that red shirt on it was hilarious. Yep. Yeah, I remember that very well. And, uh, Do you remember somebody that we went to school with? His name was Brian Burke. Yes, I remember Brian Burke really, really well. We lived in the same apartment complex for a short while before my parents bought their house. It was uh, over there in Carthage Arms. Uh huh. And uh, I don't know why in the hell I was doing it, but for some reason I was dumpster diving, which is pretty embarrassing to admit, but I, it's what I was doing. No, there's nothing embarrassing about dumpster diving. And I found an Enterprise Bridge playset, the same one that Randy had had. You know, mint condition, not a damn thing wrong with it. Didn't have any of the the, the furniture or anything like the like the command console or any of that stuff, but it was the it was the bridge playset. And I fished it out and and took it home, and Brian Burke was pissed because it was his, and either he had thrown it out or his parents had thrown it out, and I had fished it out and kept it. And I remember he got so pissed about that. I don't know why, but I don't know. Maybe his parents made him throw it away. I can link those. I can link in a small town way. I can link our last two stories because the guy that I got my red shirt from, his sister used to date Brian Burke. It come by high school. Yeah. Small town, USA. 
But that was basically it for my Star Trek toys. There were a million Star Trek toys that I wanted, which will be in the next segment. But and, and, one of those millions of trips that, that we took in the summer times, we used to drive down to my, my Aunt Joanne's place down in Pennsylvania, and she lived in the middle of fucking nowhere in this little town called Beavertown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I remember one time we stopped it. It was, I don't know, like a Woolworths or something like that. And in their clearance section, they had a complete set of Star Trek three figures for, I mean, super cheap. And I snagged them all. I still have them today in the, I've never even taken them out of the package. And it was, it was Kirk, Spock, Scotty and commander Krug. And he had this cool little, whatever that pig dog thing was that was oh, standing next pet. to his command. Yeah. yeah. That pet. Yeah. It's molded in shape. So that's not, you know, that's not posable or anything, but it's just cool. I've yeah. always thought it really had really nice, uh, artwork on the card and all that. And I've just always been super proud that I just completely lucked into that set. Yeah, I remember been one of my, my going, cherished things. When we went to be when I went to Beavertown with you, we went to that mall and we got we went to a little Toys R Us or something. We got like all these. We got like we bought like two sets each of all these little tiny origin comics. They were just little yeah. reprints of all the origins of, of all these DC superheroes. Is that where we got those? Because yeah. I still have that. I still yeah. have those too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they were just little teeny tiny comics with a short reprint of – with a lot of um, – I remember the Superman one had uh, Garcia Lopez art in it. Mm-hmm. A couple of them had Garcia Lopez art in them. Yeah, those yeah. are great. Yeah, I've still got those. I always regretted that I didn't order away for the special collector album that was advertised on the back of each one of them. I should have. That's probably worth a fortune today. And I remember going somewhere to get food, and you and I played – she blinded me with science on the jukebox, and we were playing – there was a Frogger <laughs> video game that we were playing in the in like the pizza parlor or wherever we were. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're taking me back, man. You've but, got a much better memory for this shit than I do. I know. And all that pot I smoke, what the hell is going on with that? <laughs> Maybe I'm part elephant or something. I don't know. That's what my girlfriends think anyway. But that's another story all together and a bad joke. Oh. Um, so I say we go right to Star Wars because yeah. that, about, that about is, you know, about it for Star Trek toys, but Star Wars. Star Wars toys. How did, how did you uh, how did you get into Star Wars toys? What were your first Star Wars toys? My first, the first thing I remember getting, the first thing I remember getting is the comics, but we've covered that ad, ad infinitum. Um, but I remember Christmas morning, and now this house that we lived in was this big open house, and you would, you know... You could see the downstairs from the upstairs. Literally, like the floor, the 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 walls didn't meet the ceiling. It was a very strange design. It was all for airflow, so it was cheap to heat, you know. And it was we used mostly a wood stove for this huge house. But when on Christmas morning at that house, when you came out of your room, the whole house was lit up by the Christmas tree and those you know Christmas lights, and you could sort of see down with a Christmas tree and see the pile of presents that had been accumulated there in the middle of the night while we slept. Well, I remember coming down and, you know, it's got to be, you know, it's probably like five in the morning or something ridiculous like that. And I, and I peek out there and I see life-size R2-D2 in the light (laughs) and I almost crap my pants, you know, and turns out it was a cardboard standee life-size cardboard standee of R2-D2. First standee I'd ever seen in my life, too. 
And it was something that they had up at the Carthage Hospital. And my mother was there when they were throwing it out. And they said, oh, you want it? And she's like, yeah, I think my kid would want it. It's probably, that's that, you know, that would probably send me on an Acapulco vacation now. <laughs> but I had that thing for years. I don't know what happened to it. You know, in a move, it, it, one of my parents probably said, we don't need this. What, what the hell are we moving this goddamn thing around for? But that's the first Star Wars. That thing sounds like I ever my parents remember. and my toys, yeah. Uh huh. Ever, ever getting. And then after that, I think that Christmas I got a bunch of models too, because I had a whole bunch of Star Trek, Star Wars models. I don't remember the model. Oh yeah, you had. Didn't you have like a Tie Fighter? Or something I started. Like that? I started thinking about like I was like because I found in a box of stuff from my my dad's house that like had been in my room at one time. I found a piece of Darth Vader's head. And I'm like, what is this from? And then I realized it's from the model, but my memory of the model was of it being bigger because I was smaller. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I had a Darth Vader model. Then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, I had the R2-D2 model too. And then I'm like, That's right, yeah. And I had C-3PO. And to top it all off, I had the Millennium Falcon. And that was the great. That that one had lights in it and stuff. That's so right. Up. Yeah, because I used. That's why I used to love to come and play Star Wars figures at your house. Because because nobody I knew ever had. It was like a Falcon toy, but you had the Falcon model, which it, was almost as cool. You it was know? better. I liked it better than the toy because it was more real. You know, the detail on it, the detail work on it was really fine. You know, where the mm-hmm. where the you know all the all the Kenner toys were sort of you know stylized a little bit. And, you know, those Kenner toys between, you know, I didn't have a lot of the Kenner toys. You had a lot of the Kenner toys. Yeah. I had the X-Wing was my prize Kenner toys with the, with the, you know, with the wings that would, that would X out or fold and fold down. And it made the, you know, chirpy lasers with the flashing red light on the nose of it. <laughs> the classic, the classic. Well, I had uh, I started out my Star Wars collection with I mean, like as soon as I saw the movie, um, I remember going into uh, Woolworths in Watertown, and actually it couldn't have been right after seeing the movie because the the figures didn't come out right away. No, they were, so it had they, to be closer to Christmas time, I guess. But right. the, the the first ones maybe it's like on one of my like dozens of rewatches or something. But I remember coming out of the movie. Anyway, sometime during 77, and we went to Woolworths on the way home, and they had Star Wars figures. And I begged and pleaded and cried and everything else, and my parents bought me 3PO and R2 were my first uh, Star Wars figures. Oh, they were awesome, too. And I was so excited. Oh, they were just awesome. You know, and all R2 did was you'd turn his head and he would make a clicking sound. Click, so click, there was click. no... But it didn't matter because they were so novel. It was so new oh, yeah. and novel that any depiction of them was the coolest thing that yep. you could get your hands on. So we went straight on the way home. We went straight by my grandparents' house and I waved him in Randy's face and gloated and everything. I got R2 and 3. And he was like super jealous. So then the next time I saw him... He had 3PO, R2, Han, Chewie, and Darth Vader, Ooh. so he had outdone me already. So yeah. then it became just one-upmanship from that yeah. point. And so Darth he, Vader, Darth Vader had that that awesome cape that was basically just like a stiff shower curtain. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and Luke had his lightsaber. Luke and Vader both had their lightsaber just built right into their forearm with a and stick sticking too, out. Yeah. And Ben Kenobi. And you would stick oh. out. And there was that little, that, that really weak plastic. that. So their lightsabers, once you started whacking them together, they started bending. So everybody had a bent lightsaber now, I, after a while. You know, I didn't have, you know, of course we were kids and the whole collectible toy thing was, was years away and all that. But years later, I would come to realize that my prized and cherished, loved Luke Skywalker figure that I had that their fucking dog ate was actually the super, super, super hard to find ultra rare variant. It was the one where the lightsaber was built into his arm. You remember the little like receptacle tip that all the, uh, the lightsabers had. Well, this one, you would actually grab onto that tip. And if you pulled it, it super extended his lightsaber beyond the length of all the other ones. There's very few of these. And I had one, and my I fell asleep or something in in the the living room, and the damn dog ate the Luke Skywalker. And when I woke up, I was like, I you know I don't remember my my family ever being particularly cruel or anything, but on this one occasion, I remember everybody <laughs> laughing and getting a big kick out of how pissed off I was about this. And then years later, I'm, I was on some website or something, and I saw this. And it was a whole great big article about how incredibly valuable this. And I was like, yeah. God. It's like a rusty dog. knife just cutting the wound back <laughs> yes. open. Hi there. Yes, remember me? Stop. It's like, I don't remember what happened to that dog, but I hope it got like slowly run over by a steamroller. Or I something. hope he's, he's yeah, he's, in, he's in hell with millions of Ewoks, like snapping at his heels <laughs> with, with little spears. <laughs> but, uh, the you know, I had... You, 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 you had the Star Wars collection of toys, man, when you yeah. were a kid. I remember going over to your house, and it was just – I remember the first time I went over to your house, it was just like mind-bending. And here's a toy from the last one that you didn't mention that I got to mention that was one of my favorite of your toys. I don't remember the name of it, but it was a fucking tank that you could program on big the back track. of it. Big Track. You had Big Track. We used to yeah. like program big, big Track to knock all sorts of things over and – and it would turn and shoot at things. That was cool. That was cool. Yeah, you're right. I can't believe I forgot about that because I loved that thing. Yeah, I'd, I actually, uh, the last time we moved, um, I was going through boxes of stuff and repacking and all this stuff. And I came across Big Track and I was like, why do I still have this thing? <laughs> so I slapped it up on eBay and I actually got a pretty decent of price course, on yeah. it. All those old electronic games like Simon and uh, there was one called Merlin that actually spoke. Merlin, yep. Yep, I, I found a Merlin at a secondhand store and put it up on eBay and got like $150 for it. But I was – I really didn't want to sell it because it talked – you know, it was one of the first voice synthesizer type things, so it's really bad. But in order so for you to understand the words, they had to make it talk in the sort of step and fetch it. And it'd be like, hi, my name is Merlin. I want to be <laughs> friends with you. Because it, it had to, like, really exaggerate and sort of do that with the words so they could be intelligible. Because they probably tried to make it speak in normal English, and it was probably just like blah, 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 blah. so they had to just, you know, do all these weird inflection things, and you could understand it, but it was borderline, ra- you know, it sounded borderline racist, 
And I remember plugging it in at home and going, whoa, this thing talks. And listening to it going, whoa, <laughs> yeah, it talks. <laughs> it sounds like, you know. Um, Uncle um, Remus or something. Uncle Remus, exactly. Exactly, Song of the South. And uh, that went for a pretty penny. All those old electronic, I, like, I wonder how much. I was just looking in the back of a Famous Monsters, and this actually gets us back on track. I love it. Uh, was a Star Trek <laughs> or a Star Wars quote unquote video game that you could get it was fifty dollars then if you ordered it out of famous monsters and it was you know so a space battle but it was basically a screen in front of you with light up led lights i remember you know, that you thing put it, it almost looked like electronic battleship it was kind of like, like ba- that. it was kind of like battleship or something like that i've never i never played it i never seen it other than in the back of this magazine but I'll bet you that thing must go for a pretty penny on like yeah. a working copy of that because I never even saw have seen that anywhere and it's yeah any of those rare and particularly expensive uh, Star Wars electronic toys are yeah. highly sought after because kids you know kids didn't get them they were too yeah. expensive for the parents but I was uh, I was running down a just a, a mental list on a lot of this stuff and. Uh, Oh my god, man! It just kills me the stuff that I had. I had the land speeder. I went through several land speeders actually. I had it somehow or other. I wound up with a couple of X wings because there was one that I butchered and I made it like a battle damaged X wing, and then yeah. there was another one that I, I kept in like mint shape. I had the Tie Fighter. I had Darth Vader's Tie Fighter, which yeah. was a, that was kind of a tough toy to find. Didn't the wings come off it? Didn't the wings yeah, like pop yeah, off and, it? On, yeah, and all the TIE fighters. Right. Yeah, it had the, that battle damage effect where you could hit yeah. a button and the wings would just pop off. Well, I used to have the land speeder, but it was a small die cast one, and that was oh, one yeah. of my favorites because it had it had the little wheels underneath it, but they but they were on these sort of spring loaded shocks, mm-hmm. so you couldn't see them at all. They were right in the middle of it, so when it rolled, it looked like it was on a cushion of air, and it sort of did that little hovercraft bobbing. To get you know the shot, the suspension on it gave it a little bit of bob to it, and that and that thing was also diecast, so it was strong as hell. So I used to be able to beat the shit out of that, but that thing looked really cool, like rolling across the floor. The big ones were cool too; they still had that same effect where you couldn't see the wheels on them, so they looked like they were hovering. It's the Star Wars land speeder. Wow! Looks like it's floating. The sand people are coming. It's up to Luke Skywalker and his land speeder to get us out. Action figures each sold separately. The Land Speeder has a snap open space hatch, and Star Wars action figures R2D2 and C3PO fit right in back. Hurry, they're fancy! Activate spring glide wheels! The Force goes with us! Yeah! Kenner's Star Wars Land Speeder. Action figures each sold separately. I had the, the Cloud Car. That was one of my favorite oh, things. Oh, yeah. I had, uh, do you remember the Patrol Dewback? Oh, yeah. There's the lizard that the that the stormtroopers. Yeah, had, um, uh, there's there's a, a little tauntaun. crappy crappy toys old vintage toy store in the old mall that I used to work at, and they've got a do back there. They've got a do back there and a talking viewmaster that are fairly cheap that I've been eyeballing and like just waiting and waiting for them to go down. Yeah, well, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, was the play sets. Because that's oh, that's yeah. where I feel like I was probably the most 
the most privileged was the play sets because I'm, I'm Death actually Star, didn't you? I, I had the Death Star. That yeah, was, that was what that was the of all the play sets ever of Star Wars. I think that was the most sought after. It was the coolest one. Of it yeah. was just cool as hell. It had the trash compactor. Yeah, with I was foam looking rubber at... garbage. Yeah, I was looking at a website that had all these old Kenner Star Wars toys on it. And as I was looking at the playset section, I got to looking at some of them and thought, wow, you know, some of these really sucked. But the the Death Star was awesome. It really was awesome. I mean, it was it was how many it had to be several feet high. It had like four or five high. Yeah. And it started on the bottom level. You had the trash compactor and then the next level actually had a had a trap door that you could have your guys right. fall into the trash compactor and that had like a couple of stations like control stations and then above that was the catwalk with like the retracting bridge you know and you could have the little reenact the little swing across the bridge yep and then what was above that was that was that where the turret was, there was above a tur- that there was a turret with a seat and a gun in it and and the i it also simulated you know a x wing hitting the gun and the gun would sort of like detach wouldn't it it would sort of jump yeah, up it would sort of up, hop yeah. up and fall off yeah and maybe it even ejected the stormtrooper out of his seat a little bit or something like that, but there was some sort of battle damage to that. And I've I th- always wondered – I need to ask my dad if he might remember what the deal was with that because I remember him just kind of coming home one day with the Death Star. I mean I don't remember it even being – I know it wasn't Christmas, but I don't even remember it being my birthday or anything. I, I just – I literally yeah, your remember – Your dad was just, a kid – your dad's a kid yeah. at heart, you know, so. That's just awesome. You know, I mean how cool is that? Because that thing had to – even back then, it couldn't have been cheap. Because that was a huge no, box, it was that a was, huge playset. That was that one was a big, you know, one of the you know. There's all the tiers. Of, the lowest tier of collectibles was, of course, like Presto Magic, actually. Right. Yeah. But you know, the the figures were like the bottom line, and like if you had a little more money, the the vehicles and stuff were were more expensive, and then you had to get figures for those, and then the playsets were the next tier. Up. I've got I I I got it a rum and shale. I never had it when I was a kid, but and wasn't really into it by that time. But I got the Ewok Village. Oh wow! A couple of years ago. That'd be cool ago. to have. It's it's it doesn't have all the little bells and whistles, but for the most part, it's it's there. You know, it's got it's still got C three PO's chair. You remember the uh, the Dagobah playset with oh, the little yeah. fake box? I never got it, but I always did want that. I always thought that was cool. There was a there was a cool commercial with that with lots of dry ice. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and, I do remember like, that. I remember the kid who played Yoda was just idiotic, and we used to make. <laughs> I can't remember what he used to say, but he'd be like, he'd be like, "Boo!" and hop out with Yoda, and and people would be like. Oh no, Yoda! Who? What? You've got a snake around your neck or something? That's oh, my that's pet, right. You know, and it was just stupid. The, was, my favorite one of all those commercials, because most of them were really, really insipid. But my favorite one was the one where right after Empire had come out, and it must have been the first wave of Empire figures. And there was the one kid that comes out and he goes, "Wampa, wampa, wampa!" Yeah, the wampa ice cream. <laughs> that's I used right. To love that commercial, man. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Star Wars saga began, and Kenner continues the excitement. Tong Tong Hoth Wampa and action figures each sold separately. Han Solo, help! It's got Luke! 
Tauntaun comes with an open belly rescue feature. You'll be okay, Luke, as soon as I chase away that thing. Tauntaun, Huff, Wampire, and other action figures each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back collection. Wampa, 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 because we used to walk around saying that to each other all the time. Yeah, because it was just like, it was one of those examples of something like, they didn't name the thing, that's what it would be. If it was a cartoon, that's what the Wampa would do, but yeah, that was great. (laughs) I had a couple other play sets uh, that... I found out, you know, of course, today, like every other friggin' toy I ever sold or got rid of is worth a fortune. But there was a Creature Cantina, which I guess is pretty highly sought after. Now, there was an even rarer one that had a slightly different name, but it was it was the Cantina, but it was a whole different playset that was actually like one of those. Remember back in the day where you, you'd order toys out of like the the winter catalog or the Christmas catalog? Oh, yeah, Sears. You'd get yeah, the Sears catalog, those... and the Christmas yeah. catalog was a gigantic phone book. And, yeah. Oh yeah, and and like my parents would give it to us. It would come out a few months before Christmas, and my parents would give it to me and my sister, and we would circle this, all the stuff we wanted and put our initials on it. And my well, sister was, the... was a serious shit. Like half the thing, my sister was like, "I'm going to shoot for as much as possible," and I was uh, <laughs> targeting one or two things and narrowing narrowing their choices. So I knew I was going to get at least one of them. And my sister was like, "I'm going to ask for everything and see what I get." Well, there were a lot of variant Star Wars figures that were like exclusive to those catalogs. Yes. Like I think there's a Walrus Man that's yes. that's highly sought after, but there was also. A variant Cantina playset that's completely different than the one that I owned. Really? I owned, I owned the regular Kenner one that you would just buy off the store shelf, but there was uh-huh. actually a rarer one. I had the Land of the Jawas playset, which I loved that I remember thing. Remember that? It was just a cardboard cutout oh, uh, sand crawler as the background, but the, yeah. it had a little plastic base that was, you know, it was it was molded in like sand color. Yeah, and it had the escape pod, which was just cool. You know, it had the little escape pod for R two and three PO and all that. I but really, my, I huh? really wish I, I I would love to have some of those old Sears catalogs and look through it because they would have the whole Star Wars section. Yeah, and that was just like, and it would have like you know star backgrounds and all the new things out. Oh, I would love to look through those again. That would be. I wonder, if there's, overdose. I wonder if there's a market for that still. Oh, yeah. Those probably yeah, a huge... yeah, yeah, yeah. They cost yeah. a fortune. They cost a fortune. Sears catalogs, if you ever see them at garage sales, just some advice, everybody. Sears catalogs and telephone books. Old telephone books are gold. So just just some advice. People, yeah, there's, there's if you want to take those old, you know, older Sears catalogs and carefully clip and sort all the ads and ev- and everything and and put them into sections and you can sell them like that as individual things. People take old magazines and take ads out for toys and stuff and will just sell <laughs> the ad and they'll get a you know they'll get a couple so a magazine that they could that you could buy for like 50 cents people are selling the ads out of it for a buck or two a piece and they get like 10 or 15 ads out of it so it's better just to cut the magazine See, up in some cases. I don't think like that. I'm more into reading stuff and <laughs> reading it and something that I have interest in rather than I only know about the phone books cuz I stumbled on some phone somebody actually made me take the phone books away and I was going to throw them out but I said, "I'll 
I'll throw one up on eBay and see what happens. And I got like $450 for it. Jesus like Christ. That. Yeah. It's so old phone books, especially for larger cities. But I don't know. Maybe smaller towns too, but larger cities. I had that one was from Buffalo, New York from 1936 or something like that. Wow. So it was pre World War II. And yeah. And that all, what? it went from $100 to like 450 in like 30 seconds or some jackass thing like that. My second, uh, my second favorite playset of those Star Wars playsets beyond that, that Death Star one though, is I don't, do you remember one, the, the listing I found on the internet called it the turret and probot playset, but yes. I always thought it was just called the Hoth playset. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. I remember the commercial for it because the commercial sort of reenacted like shot for shot the scene from Empire with the, um robot coming over the snow yeah that's right that's right i love that thing and you know you don't you don't get this because you're not married but anybody that's listening that that's married will know what i'm talking about a lot of times you know particularly around like birthdays or or christmas time i'll go into the the toy department you know looking for stuff for the kids and i'll run across something that reminds me of something like this that when i was a kid and just get that total what the hell is wrong with you look from my wife right <laughs> but this past christmas um or maybe it was birthday i can't remember but anyway we were going through a toy section and lego you know they've they're huge into the star wars legos right now there's a million different star yeah. wars lego sets they have a set that looks just like this old turret and probot playset, but it's all made out of Legos. But I mean, the design is almost exactly the same. And I saw that and flipped. I was like, I've got to get that for the boys. My wife was like, that thing is however many dollars. I mean, it's like a hundred bucks. She's flipping it. She's like, that's really, why do you want to get that? And I was like, you don't understand. I had this when I was a kid, you know, I was, I was like totally flipping. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Take her home. And show her what the old playsets on on eBay go for. <laughs> and even if even if you take that playset and you junk the box, you junk the instruction, or you take the instructions and you wad them up into a ball and throw them in the corner for a few years. If you smooth them out and you take all those pieces and throw them in a baggie, you're going to sell them for more than you paid for them oh, yeah. on eBay. That's yep. just the reality of of Lego, especially Star Wars Lego. It's mm-hmm. it's it's literally like investing in gold. And if you save the box and you save everything in nice condition and keep all the pieces, and and you can have them play and they're Legos. They can play with those pieces all they want, and they're not going to ruin them for the most part. And yeah, you can you can always put up the argument that. You know, someday they're they're going. You know, and if you do that, you're going to double, triple, quadruple what you paid for them. So yeah, my I, I ran into the same thing with my sister when uh, they had the you know the those Brio train sets and Thomas the the yeah. train engine sets. Well, they make these sort of play tables that you would set those up in, but my nephews use it as their Lego table instead, and it's literally like a table that's like about you know nine inches deep and it's probably six feet by four feet and it's just filled with legos of all shape and for star <laughs> wars spider-man you know all the little minifigures are swimming around in there pieces from castles and pirate ships and stuff like that 
and you know my sister was complaining about how much money they you know spent on him and, and uh, I'm just like don't worry <laughs> see that thing there you know you can sell that stuff by the pound it, right. it's like gold <laughs> and, remember all the the mail away offers that they had for yeah. Star Wars stuff and Star Wars well, figures that was that was one of the next things I had to tick off on here was on my list was you were the you were the uh, first person I knew who and the, you see for a lot of the younger listeners when it, it was just you know the distribution and media world back then was so different than it is now you know Completely a toy different. a toy would you know they were totally not prepared for the demand for Star Wars toys so. When the figures came out, they didn't really come out. I think didn't they just like like one figure? They they got one figure out or something. But basically, what you had to do was order them. You ordered, you paid for all these figures, and you got a certificate that was basically sort of like Kenner's IOU to you, saying right, right, you are yeah. going to get these action figures before Christmas. And in right. the meantime. They sent you this little podium stage with right. all the names of all the figures that they may even not have even had some ready yet, but they knew that they were going to make a figure for with a little sticker and a little, um, you know, post that stuck up for the hole in their foot that you could stick it in. And didn't they rotate? Didn't couldn't you like? Yeah, there was a little lever a where lever they, would rotate, they would all rotate you know, a few degrees or whatever. Right. Yeah. And uh, so the first thing you would get was this display case, empty display case, and an IOU. And the anticipate—I just remember the anticipation that everybody had of getting their ac- action figures was intense. And there was a little bit of a furor about it. A lot of the parents didn't like. Were like, you know, this isn't fair, blah blah blah. But it was all that you know. It was all they could think of to get people off their backs because they couldn't get the toys manufactured fast enough yep. the same sort of thing happened with those fucking cabbage patch dolls <laughs> they couldn't make well, i had i had that display stand you're talking about i don't remember getting an iou for the figures so the stand must have been a whole separate it might have been something like your parents whole... your parents held on you know your parents might have got it and said okay we're gonna hang on to this so he doesn't lose it or something you know right yeah but i had the i had the the stand and uh I'd actually forgotten about that. I, I was thinking more of, uh, I think one of the great disappointments of my childhood was sending away for the for the mail order Bebe, uh, Boba Fett figure that you could send right. away for if you right. saved up your proofs of purchase and you could send away. And they well, that they wasn't a supply and demand to, thing. That was a marketing gimmick. It was like Boba Fett. Yeah, I remember they, that. It was such a big deal and all that, and I sent away for him, and it seemed like, you know, when you're a kid, waiting for shit to come in the... Yeah, it's an eternity, man. Ungodly long. Yeah, it could might as well be six months. I, I finally get the thing, and I rip open the package, and I pop out Boba Fett, and they had glued the fucking missile into his backpack, and it came with a little note saying something about, you know, due to... Dumbass kids shooting in their eyes or something that we've decided to alter this figure. And I was pissed, man. I was so pissed because all the stuff that they had advertised for this figure, he was going to have a firing rocket backpack, you know? And I was just livid. I was like, 
God damn it. You know, they had screwed me out of my Boba Fett that I wanted. But yeah, I just, I love that thing. I had him and I ordered a uh, Bosk through the, mm-hmm. through the mail. And yeah, I there remember was a, that. there was a, a set that you could order from um, the Empire Strikes Back and it was nothing but accessories. It was a bunch of the, the gas masks that Han, Leia and Chewie wore out when they went inside the, the, right. the, Creature in oh Empire. Oh my god, yeah, I remember that. that there was uh, something for Yoda. Was it a backpack for Yoda? It was a backpack. Yeah. And, yeah, and maybe it was his... No, his because his stick... I think he came, came with his stick. With it was his, a backpack the, for Yoda. He came with the it was stick all this, snake. Yeah, it was all this Empire stuff. You know, all these accessories... Yeah. That weren't a part of the regular figures or anything. It was just a mail order thing to get all these really cool. It was like I right. think there was, there was weapons um, in there, and they oh, had it was... that they had that thong for Lobot. <laughs> oh wait, no, that was just something I made. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking out loud. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the <laughs> sorry to wrong. derail the. the... Oh, yes. The accessory, the, the mental image, just, just, oh, that's, I mean, that's gonna be hard to shake now. But uh, I actually know, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, you did this earlier when we were talking about the toys in the first section. You're going, yeah, I don't know what happened to all that. You know, where, where'd all those toys go? I don't know where a lot of stuff went. But when it comes to the Star Wars stuff, it breaks my heart, man. I know exactly where that stuff went because. Uh, when we got our first place and, and Scotty was just, I mean, he was just an infant, just a babe in arms. An infink. Yeah, you know, just an infink. You know, we, uh, we're, you Eat know, starting, brat. <laughs> it's, t- it's tough starting out as a young couple and all that. And we, uh, I remember just being strapped for cash, like all the time. And, and then rent was coming up one time. We were just really hurting. And I boxed all that shit up, man, and took it to this place. It was in Atlanta. It was called, uh, Toys from the Dark Side, which I always thought was a really cool name. Until. <laughs> yeah. Took it took it all there, and uh, and the guy gave me a lousy 300 bucks for everything, which I, even at the time, I knew damn well that stuff was worth so much more than that with yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, but when you that- go to a place like that, they, they, they don't screw okay. around, man. They don't want to, they only want to buy it as, at the, at the base, you know, they want to, they... They need to mark it up two or three times to make it interesting to them. So they're. If I could have just held out like another, say, four or five years. Well, that was before internet eBay. came. Out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you know, he, if, I'd, if I e- just e- held out until eBay came along, I would have been swimming in cash. eBay's man. a great equalizer, and and it takes, and you know, the people like that. God bless them because they do get the stuff that you want into your hands or whatever. But you know, and but I like I like the idea of eBay because it's it's I love auction I love the idea of an auction because it's just it, it's not uh the price is not just a randomly determined thing from the mind of somebody who's just trying to milk as much money or you know trying to soak you for as much money and. Or at the same time, it's not just you know it's not. I can't remember where I was going with this, with the with the second my second point, you know. But it it, it basically it, it sort of takes the piss out of people who are just going to, uh, you know, be be like 
basically like memorabilia scalpers, you know, right. who are going to I mean, this really, guy, although, thankfully, he wasn't one of those assholes about it. You know what I mean? He wasn't right. some well, that's what they old, have to do. fat, you know, c- cigar-smoking. Yeah. You know, he wasn't the Watto type. You know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. He was a young guy <laughs> like me. And, you know, I walked in and blew his mind with this stuff. And I remember he was even very apologetic. He was that like, was you know. all he had in the cash register or exactly, something like that. Exactly. You know? So it made yeah. me feel better about it. It would have been different if it had been, you know, just some – you know, whatever, some yeah. asshole about going, ah, well, yeah, that shit ain't worth nothing, and well, I'll give you a lousy 300 bucks, you know? That's that's the same thing that uh, I, I've noticed on eBay is, like, sometimes on eBay, like, when, when I'm auctioning something, I'll see that somebody who's bidding on it, like, when you look at their feedback, they have a lot of feedback from buyers. So you know they're reselling, and then you look to see what they're selling, and it's like, oh, yeah, they're trying to buy this so they can resell it, you know? And I always, I always am very happy when they lose out to somebody who's just Joe Schmo somewhere, who wants that thing because they think it's really cool, you know. And, right. And and then they can. I, I'm so much happier when something, when there's an exchange and it gets into somebody's hands that it is going to. And eventually, though, through that guy, I, I'm sure all that stuff got into a lot of the right hands or into somebody who truly appreciated it. And he probably had to do some, and this was a pre-eBay day, so he had to do some work to sell it, and it had to take up some space at his store. So it worked out. It paid the rent. That stuff, you know, you can slowly, slowly find it. I kept a, I kept a corner of it, you know. I mean, there, yeah. there, there was I, – I went through all that stuff, and I thought, you know, yes – I, I don't really want to get rid of any of this, but I have to. But if I have to keep something, what what's the thing that that I want to keep to remember right. this thing? And I kept my uh, my slave one, you know, Boba oh, Fett ship. I, yeah. I kept that, and I kept all my bounty hunters because I had a complete set of all the the Kenner bounty hunters, and I'm I kept crossing, all of those guys. I'm crossing slave one right off my most wanted list. That was one of my most wanted <laughs> lists. Was the slave one? That was a cool ship, man. Yeah, it yeah. was. I love that thing. Everything to do with Boba Fett was just, for some reason, was just a level of design-wise cooler than everything else in Star Wars, which was already super cool. So <laughs> it was steroided out coolness. That's that's my Star Wars toy memories. Yeah, that's about it for me. Let's we'll come back with the with the special green portion of our show and when i say green i mean green with envy of everybody else who had these toys and we didn't that we put on our hit list so we'll be right back with that far far away in another galaxy the knights of the soul star order defenders of justice and truth have been ambushed by the evil magicians the diaries the soul star order has prevailed and are now seeking out their scattered enemies one of these knights has followed the trail of the diorates all the way to earth this one the diorates fear more than all others this one has hounded them and kept them underground for centuries this one alone could wipe them off the face of creation he is rom lord of the soul star order rom the wraith slayer rom the space knight even he must be careful the diaries can assume any form they wish. Rum counters this with the energy analyzer. 
With it, he can see through appearances and determine the true essence of any being. Krom also has a weapon unique to his order, the neutralizer, which can disorganize any molecular structure. He has rocket pods, which can instantly send him soaring. He has a translator through which he can communicate with any intelligent being in the universe. And his respirator allows him to breathe in any atmosphere. Krom, Lord of the Soul Star Order. Krom, the Wraith Slayer. Krom, the Space Knight. A micro-electronic creation from Parker Brothers. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Hey, with... now! <laughs> there he goes. He's, he's <laughs> misfiring again. And here we, we come to our, our part of the toy show where we talk about the toys that we used to just beg our parents for. We used to clean our rooms for. We used to see the ads for them on TV, and it would get us bouncing off the wall, and we just never got them. Just to look at that and go, how the hell can I steal store? that without getting caught? Yeah, it's just too big to sh- stick under my shirt. And, uh, you know, I I, 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 I I, guess I'll throw one in right out, right out. And here's one that uh, I used to see this in the Ben Franklin store in, in Carthage. And I would actually go into the Ben Franklin to check this thing out because you could actually play with it through the packaging. And that was a – it was a Fisher-Price, basically Super 8 – little camera with a with a strip of super 8 film and that it would have little movies in them and um a, a lot of the kids i know would have them and they came almost standard with the lonesome ghost by walt disney that's right yeah and uh and there was another one with uh donald duck in a camper that and it, i think it had chip and dale in it and it was a whole bunch of mishaps with this camper rolling down a hill and you know donald being blissfully unaware that his camper was almost doomed and then there was another one with Star Wars in it. Mm-hmm. And the one that I used to go into Ben Franklin to look at was Alien. Alien, yeah, and I remember it, that. And that one was literally, it was it was Alien, so it was creepy, and it had that great, you know, dark look in the spaceships, and it had the, the scene in it where um, Commander Dallas was in the ductwork, and he turns around, and the alien, like... You just see a flash of it, and his arms sort of unfurl, and his he- mouth is sort of open. But in the movie, you just saw a flash of it. But on this, you could tick, 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 tick. It was black, and then all of a sudden, you'd see like the light from his um, flamethrower pilot sort of lights up there, and you could tick, tick, tick it one or two frames at a time, and see it's, you know, get a really good close look at the alien because you really had no way of getting good looks at the aliens because even in the movie even when you get a good look at him it's pretty quick and it was over so it was your only way to like really check out stuff in detail and alien and i always wanted that and being you know always probably a latent filmmaker as long as i can remember you know stuff like that was you know, when VCRs came out, VCRs were like magic to me. They were like the most mind-blowing, you know, invention that you could ever... And yeah, it was basically, to me, on the par with the internet, you know, <laughs> the invention of VCRs, when all of a sudden you could watch an uncut movie in your house. Yeah, the, the, the Fisher-Price things were just like they were the only way 
one of the only ways you could see this stuff. You know, you could actually buy, there were Super 8 versions of them you could buy for your projector, but I didn't have a projector when I was a little. I had that Snoopy drive-in one. You remember yep. that? Oh, yeah. Snoopy sitting in his car looking up at a drive-in screen, and the and drive-in screen watch Star was the Wars projector. on it in your basement. Yeah. yeah, I love that thing. We would sit in the basement because <laughs> it was where we could, like, turn the lights out, and it would be dark, dank, dark in that basement in Carthage, that, in that place you lived in Carthage yep. and and I just remember sitting down there and frame by frame watching watching Star Wars what about awesome. what about you what was what was uh something that you used to pine for well the the biggest one the first one that came to mind um I I don't know that I ever actually saw this in the stores to be honest, I, I don't remember ever seeing it on the shelf. Which maybe that's why I never got it. Maybe they just never got them in our area or something. Well, but I remember the evil just, thing is we got all the commercials, but we didn't get all the toys. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, because we did live in a you know in a pretty pretty small town. A pretty even Watertown Rural. wasn't really what you'd call a city or anything. Well, so that I mean, probably my address a- used to be uh, our address used to be like our name RD. RD, which is Rural Drive, number two, and then, <laughs> and then you know the air, the the area code, you know, because right. there were five houses on you know on the street. So yeah, it was a pretty rural, small town Mayberry style thing. But I remember seeing the commercials, and I remember the the comic. There were tons and tons and tons of comic book ads, and then eventually this this toy got its own comic, and that was uh, Rom the Space Knight. I oh, yeah. always wanted a ROM because he on TV he looked cool. You know, he had electronics and he, you know, he breathed and he made sounds. I mean, that seems so. It probably seems really weird to to some you know somebody young listening to us talking about you know the fact that he made sounds. But that shit was a big deal when we were kids because you know they didn't have sound chips and stuff like that when we were kids. I mean, like the Han Solo laser pistol just made a little kind of sound. You know, it didn't sound any fucking thing like or, a laser you know, shot. Or thing, it was you know? your only other alternative was the pull, the little record inside with the pull, str- pull string on the back. You know, that <laughs> yeah, was right. how things made noise before. And <laughs> when electronic noise became... Right, you know, usable. That was a huge. Th- I, you know, I mean, we're the age we remember when digital watches were fucking amazing, <laughs> and people were paying a hundred dollars for a digital watch. Right, but Rom, man, I just, I always thought he was cool. So, oh, this is a while back now, but uh, you know, several years ago, um, I just up and quit the job I was at. At the time, I just got dissatisfied, and and I was doing a, a decent business on eBay on the side and selling comics and stuff. So I just up and quit the job I was at, went into eBay full time doing comics and stuff, and uh, you know quickly realized that well shit you know all this great money I was making doing eBay on the side all of a sudden it had to pay the bills so it wasn't it didn't turn out quite the way I wanted it to you know. Whereas I wanted to try to turn it into a business. But one thing I did allow myself out of all that mad money that I made at that time was I hunted myself up and bought a ROM. I finally got one. So that that was one I actually fulfilled a few years ago as I bought myself a ROM Space Knight. And he's pretty cool. You know, he just he just stands, you know, on one of my shelves, you know, of, of collectibles and stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he's pretty neat and all, but 
I don't know. I, I'd probably have a lot fonder memories and, and everything, you know, if, if I'd actually owned him as a kid, because, you know, in the, in the 20, 30 years, you know, that I'd pine for this thing, I'd built it up to be a lot bigger than he, and a lot cooler than he actually is, because he, you know, he just makes a couple corny electronic sounds, and that's about all he really does. But it's cool just to own one, you know, regardless. That is a cool toy. The one that I have, I didn't, I didn't. The uh, one toy that I always wanted, and I had the similar experience of I, I finally got it not too long ago. And it's an easy thing to get now, but it, for some reason, I never got this toy, and that was the Mousetrap game. Oh, yeah. In the commercial, uh, you know, I just, I was a big fan of, like, I remember my dad had a couple books that were just collections of Rube Goldberg cartoons, you know, of Rube, Rube Goldberg machines, which... I should I, I shouldn't just throw that out because the, the younger people might not know what Rube, who wrote Rube Goldberg was, <laughs> but he would make these cartoons of the most incredibly complicated machine to do some simple task like scratch the cat, and right. it would be this whole system of pulleys and lit lit candles and stuff, and it, you know it was very imaginative and all drawn in a cartoon style with a little number, and you could read what did what and then it would end up scratching the cat at the end. And um, that's basically what Mousetrap was. It was a Rube Goldberg machine. And when, when I finally got it and set it all up, it was like, well, that's cool. <laughs> but it wasn't the amazing thing that I thought of, you know, thought that it was when I was a kid. But I always wanted Mousetrap. That was, it just looked like the most fun game in the world because there were bouncing balls and things had to hit things and make them twirl around. It was really cool. And the only other thing that I had on my list that I've always wanted, besides the Star Trek bridge, you know, and and a video camera, that would have been the (laughs) ultra, you know, a movie camera would have been the ultimate toy for us. Yeah, we wanted one because we wanted to make a movie. We were writing them and we were even drawing. I was, it was funny, I was talking to our buddy Lenny Cooper the other day and I was, and we were talking about the Terminator and... From what I can gather, I think he kind of liked the new Terminator movie, or at least was saying there were a couple sequences in it that were really cool. And it was reminding me that you and I were, like, bouncing around this story. We were, like, writing a little story outline about someone who travels back in time to kill somebody. And they so, and I remember we sort of wrote out, sketched out a scene where, you know, the character, when he came back in time, he came back in time like in a dumpster he started out in a dumpster and like a street person looks in the dumpster and he ends up like killing him and taking his clothes and uh i remember we wrote this sort of scenario it didn't go anywhere but i remember we wrote this whole scenario that was very similar to the terminator just a couple years ahead of the terminator except for the robot aspect of it and it was Hmm. only one person came back in time nobody came back to uh foil their plans we hadn't thought it out. I don't think we thought it out that far. And I remember we actually had little pre-production drawings of what, like, costumes and stuff would look like. Because we would do all, we did that, all that stuff for all the Battle in Outer Space Wars. Yeah. And if we had a camera or a toy video camera or stuff and started filming stuff, who knows what kind of goofy stuff. We remember we used to sit in the back of my dad's store and I would have a job there, like, sweeping and stuff. So you'd, you'd be hanging out while I'm, like, sweeping the back and there was this huge, like, empty warehouse space and a bathroom. 
Right. I'd be back there sweeping up, and, and we would be planning, like, oh, here's how we could, and we would have the Stormtrooper characters get sucked up against a wall by magnets and stuff, and we were planning out how we would film all this stuff, and we were doing God, I remember. Yeah, I remember that, because that was going to be one of our Death Star sets was that great big warehouse space. I think I have some of those drawings, man. I'm going to go digging around where I think they might be and see if I can scan a few <laughs> of those. I but, had I I I probably seemed like a like a greedy kid cuz I there was actually a lot of toys that I wanted even be, above and beyond having so many toys as a kid there was still a lot of them that I wanted that I never got right. cuz I discovered oh. Migos when I was really really young through neighbor kids who had the Planet of the Apes Migos Yeah those were and cool I, I had a couple of those they when, were cool. and, Oh did you have some Well I had a couple of those just last year when I got them from the Roman shop oh, okay. of them were um I think I had Cornelius oh. and um I think it was just Cornelius was the only one I had. No, 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 no. I had Dr. Zaius too because he had his vest. There's a million – like those Planet of the Apes Migos are some of the most confusing ones because they mixed and matched a lot of bodies, types, and repainted them and you know, just changed costume on some. There's a, all these different variants of them because they were very popular and there were time periods where they would make the Mego – figures differently so like mm-hmm. they would have some of them have articulated elbows and wrists and some of them don't have the articulated wrists and some of them some of them have the you know you know they're 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 the superhero bodies with the ape heads on them and some of them <laughs> had their own bodies so there's all these endless variants of of all those those are something i'm more interested now in as an adult than when i was a kid the figure the figure i wanted was the alien they made a oh, big yeah. alien of that. That's and what I've I thought you were going to talk about because they had that at Ben Franklin, and that's what yeah. I thought you were going to mention when you were talking about going to Ben Franklin was that alien figure because yeah. he was cool. And he was cool, and I have seen him now in my adulthood, and he's still cool for – and because it was, it was the H.R. Giger design. You couldn't right. make that thing not look insecty and – vaguely sexual and disturbing you know it was a truly disturbing design and and to see it in 3d even as a kid it was very hard to believe that they were making kid toys from the alien movie because it was not a movie for kids at all it was pretty hardcore well see that's how i remember the figure but i had i didn't see the movie for years and years and years my my parents would never let me see something like that my dad my dad was the one who would take all the kids to the r-rated movie and swear us to secrecy afterwards going don't tell your parents i took you to see aliens for christ's sakes you know so so that's how i got to see aliens you know we'd go to the movie theater you know my dad would be just like come on we're going to the movies and he would take us all to the movies because he had to do something with us and we'd get there and and it would probably be like that would be the only option of anything that he could take us to and still be cool (laughs) so so it had so we'd get to see aliens i got to see stripes that way once it was the only thing that like he wanted to see that that we could go see and it happened to be rated R and it was just like don't and you know we're watching the shower scene with all these breasts in it and he's like don't tell your mother I took you to see this god <laughs> so <laughs> so there's some awesome points for my dad right there 
Your dad was I cool. got to see boobs and blood <laughs> before I was supposed to. <laughs> My dad took me to some fucked up movies like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I remember The Road Warrior. Road How young were we when we went to see The Road Warrior? My sister, my sister, I didn't get to see it. My sister snuck off with a, a neighbor, the neighbor's son to go see The Road Warrior. And, like, you know, he was trying to, like, feel her up and stuff and, like, came back. It was like, I saw this movie and this guy got his hands cut off, fingers cut off by a boomerang. And I'm like, oh. You know, there's, and you know, she was probably like 14 years old or something, you know, 13, 12, 13 years old. So I never got to see it. It was playing, I remember it was playing at the drive in and it was a big deal. It wasn't until it came to HBO that I got to see it. I thought you went with us when we went to see it at the Black River drive in. I didn't get to see it till it was on HBO. Yeah, my dad took me to it, and I was probably probably about that age, probably 13, 14 years yeah, old. It was a fucked really up movie good, to watch that Yeah, age. there weren't really any good Road Warrior toys, I remember. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Why didn't they have Road Warrior? I want they the could boomerang, release the guy with the, razor blades on it. <laughs> you know, the, big, the big guy with the ski mask and the, the bare naked chest and all that. Ugh, those, oh, what those the hell? Would have been some disturbing was, toys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although, like, all the cars, all the bad guys' cars and stuff would have been great. And I'm sure they made, like, models of, like, Max's car and stuff like that. And I'm well, sure actually, that's if you why wanted you to... went to see it because your dad was probably like, look at those. Because George Miller was a race car enthusiast, so he knows right. his cars. So those muscle cars and Mad, you know, I'm sure your dad could watch Mad Max cheese and all because the muscle cars in it are real muscle cars you know and that stuff's like right. pouring to a guy like your dad who used to race cars he knows what those are like like i strongly recommend for your dad the new quentin tarantino movie from the grindhouse one because it's all classic hollywood muscle cars chasing each other you know <laughs> probably he'd probably like that if uh, oh, i'll yeah. ask him if he's seen that yet or not it's real it's real you know, special effect car chases. So if you ever wanted to reenact, uh, uh, the road warrior with toys, though, you could probably just get a whole bunch of those hook toys that were out. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you ever see those yeah. The kids and some of the play sets and the vehicles and stuff from that. Sort of like the feral like kid. Toy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember a star Wars toy? It was one of the the first – this is what I would consider like the first expanded universe toy. Uh-huh. It was something called the Imperial Troop Transport. Yes. You remember that? Yes. It's sort I of – that. It, 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 yeah, they were just sort of – it was almost like a, it was almost like a um, boxcar, a pen boxcar for, for animals except it, it must have sucked to have been an Imperial Troop because they just sort of put you in a little box on the side of this yeah. – uh, <laughs> But the thing about it is you find out later in the in the prequel trilogies that, that that is how they sort of, you know, when you see the clone troopers are getting transported to from one place to another and the robots, both sides would sort of get transported in these things where they were just sort of loaded in like bullets, you know. Right. So. Yep. Well, that was one of those early, um, early sound toys, but that one actually yeah. had sounds from the movie that's why i wanted it so bad because it had six or eight buttons on it and one of them you'd push and it'd make the real blaster sound or it would make like a real i don't know a lightsaber or some shit yeah but it had all these real authentic sounds from the movie and i just thought that as a kid that that was awesome because up to that point 
none of the Star Wars toys that made sounds sounded anything like the real sounds, but that thing did, and I just thought it was cool. Always wanted one. Someday, you know what I just realized? I have a Star Wars phone that has the, uh, that is, has the Emperor's head on it. You know, it's basically <laughs> the Emperor's head, and you open it up. And it has like five buttons in it with different quotes by either the Emperor or Darth Maul. You know, at last we will have revenge on the Jedi. And you have done well, my young apprentice. <laughs> and I used to love having this phone because I would talk to people and I would just say, you have done well, my young apprentice. And it was very loud and very clear. <laughs> and people would be like, what the hell is that? And at last we will have re- revenge on the Jedi. <laughs> That's we'll have our revenge, you know, and stuff like that. And I'd be like, I don't know. I get all kinds of interference, you know. <laughs> and then I live right under, you know, the transmitter at, at, at Cobbs Hills. or So, you know, I get all this interference. Why? What are you hearing? And they're like, I swear it's like the Emperor's voice. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's weird. Maybe it's CMF. They have some sort of ad or something. That's we would have our – there it is again. Can you hear it? I don't hear a goddamn thing. I'll take that thing. I just realized I can take that thing. We still have an active landline at our house. So I'll plug that thing into the landline someday on one of our shows, and I'll call us up on Skype with it and blast us a few times with that just to show you how much fun it is. If I would have thought of it before right this second, I could have set it up for this show. But uh, yeah, at last, I, my favorite is you have done well, my young apprentice, because you can hear the spit in his mouth, and they're just like, yeah, man, yeah. Chewing the scenery. Chewing the scenery. <laughs> but that's not something I always wanted. That's something I actually got. Oh, I'm remembering a lot of the things that I wanted were video games. Like there was a handheld Asteroids game. Oh, I don't that remember was that. was really cool. One thing that I wanted, it was, I don't think it was a video game. I think it was LED lights, like those old football games. But it was an Asteroids game. Huh. And it was and there were there were a bunch of video games that I always wanted like the Atari 5200 ColecoVision. Oh, there was yeah. one called the Vectron. I remember that. It was vector graphics and it actually looked like a little stand-up game and there was a stand-up looking version of Pac-Man that was also LED lights that just lit up and there was a Donkey Kong that was like that. I always wanted those things, but I never got those. And there was a Star Wars one that I never even saw, but it was a little tiny arcade version, you know, with LED shapes in there that were just sort of always there, and, you know, they would light up under them to sort of simulate movement. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, But they weren't strictly video games, you know. Our toys were primitive in some aspects like that. Yeah, I do remember those. That had the little light up lights underneath the the picture that was ever present. It just yes. wasn't always lit. Yeah, I do remember that. They turn up now in Happy Meals and stuff, like really yeah. super primitive versions of those games. It's like lightsaber battle, and then you'll have Luke Skywalker there, and his le- he'll have two little jiggity jiggity jig legs under him, and a little jiggity jig like lightsaber move, and then you'll see these things. Like, it'll be a little dot coming at him, and, and like, one, it'll be lower and higher, so it just sort of has this crudest animation in the world. My kids got one. It was some Spider-Man thing a while back in a Happy Meal, and it was a a video game 
keychain, but it was one of those LED games uh-huh. like you're talking about. And they got that and they played with it for like two minutes. They were like, this sucks. And I was like, you know what? When I was a kid, that was high tech and it would probably cost you $60. Yep. You know? <laughs> it's but crazy. Really, it's the video equivalent of Spidey stupid stories, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> I remember Randy always wanted the Millennium Falcon, which oddly enough, I never really craved a Millennium Falcon, but I remember he wanted that bad. And, and anytime I've ever talked Star Wars with him for any length of time, that always comes up in conversation how bad he wanted a Millennium Falcon when we were kids and never got one. I think actually I'll take back my slave one thing is I think the to me the Millennium Falcon is the coolest of all spaceships. So I always like I have a Millennium Falcon now. Oh, do you? But I don't think it's the original. I think it's like a 90s version of the Millennium Falcon. But it is the big toy one with the, you know, with the the gangplank comes down to get in and out. And it has different little sections in it. But I think it's a more modern one. I don't think it's the old school one. When I was a kid, I always wanted the AT-AT. You know, the full-size walker that came out. And that thing was crazy expensive. But now that, you know, now that I'm an adult, you know, more or less, I actually think it would have been cooler to have the Scout Walker. Because somehow I think the Scout Walkers are actually somehow a little bit cooler than the full-size Walker. And I remember seeing Scout Walkers as a kid. I never even saw the AT-AT other than on TV and, you know, in advertisements and stuff. But I think that would have been a cool toy. Yeah, I'm stuffing my mouth full of pizza and nodding my head. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, something I saw a while back, and I was like, oh, my God, that would be awesome, was, uh, I mean, it's crazy, crazy expensive. Right. But they actually have a a Lego Death Star. Have you seen this thing? Oh, no. I'll bet you that's cool. Right. Oh is yeah, it just it's a like, round. Is it just a big round, solid mass of Lego, or is it a cross yeah, section? Yeah, well, it's like take my old Kenner Death Star playset, you know, shrink it down by about a third, and then make it go all the way in a full circle, rather than just like a like a oh. pie wedge, like it was. And that's the the Lego Death Star. And this thing's like I don't know, it's like four or six hundred dollars, something. It's crazy expensive. But it's cool, man. I mean, any scene you can think of that took place in the Death Star in Star Wars is reenacted inside this thing. And it, I mean, it's just the and neatest it looks thing. Exactly, there's, there, if you played Lego Star Wars, you probably like, there's a couple points where you probably act out scenes right on, you know, on the right, video yeah. version of that thing. I, cool. I saw it not long ago, and I wanted to get it for Scotty for last Christmas because he he's addicted to Lego Star Wars. You know, he he builds these things. I mean, he's amazing, man. I mean, he's built like the Jabba sail barge set yeah. and all these different ones, the the droid transport ship, and all these really intricate they're, things. They're, I mean, they're a great toy because really, it's even the complicated ones aren't hard because the the instructions take you you know step by step. But right. the thing about it is, is the more complicated it is, the more sort of theories of architecture and engineering you sort of pick up right. just, just from putting it together piece by piece. That's the what, cool thing about Lego is you learn how things pivot and, you know, you see complicated things get put together. You know, it's like building a, 
office building or something, you know, some of them. I, I thought that thing was really cool because to me, you know, that, that was one of the few exceptions to, you know, to, to what I often say, you know, it's funny when I was growing up as a kid, I think one of the reasons I was really spoiled when it came to toys, you know, particularly by my father was, you know, my dad, you know, he all, he always says, you know, always said when I was a kid that, you know, toys when he was a kid sucked, you know, that he, he didn't think that they really had cool toys like they had when we were kids. But also, you know, he had, you know, a dozen brothers and sisters. So, you know, the, there wasn't the money to spread around, you know, where it was just me for, you know, 10 yeah. years until my sister was born. So he could kind of lavish a little bit. Because most people are like, the toys we had when we were a kid, you had to have your imagination. But I agree with that, too. Like, I, these days, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I see some of the toys now. And I'm like, man, I wish I was a kid. <laughs> Well, I don't know, because that's the thing is I actually feel opposite. I actually think that the toys we had in most respects were actually cooler than the stuff coming out today. I mean, other than the stuff that has like sound chips and stuff like that, I think like say like action figures in particular, I think the Migos and and a lot of that stuff were actually cooler. I mean, maybe the Star Wars figures are, are cooler today because they actually look like the characters well, and they're actually articulated and stuff. But. I try to think of it like now like i look at those through the filter but if i was a kid and those really super realistic figures came out i would be all over i would drop luke skywalker with the i would have no sentimental <laughs> I, you know we, and i know we both would have instantly been starting to mock our old school figures yep. if they had yeah. the stuff that they had now we'd be like look at this stuff it's like look at the details you can see every wrinkle on their jacket we would have been all into that now, yeah, though, my, that's what's fixed in our nostalgia glands, though. Yeah, my, my kids will put my old Boba Fett that I saved next to, like, a brand new out-of-the-package Boba Fett that they picked up at Walmart or something and just laugh and laugh, you know? like And it looks like God, it this was, like, cobbled primitive. together by the town simpleton or something, you know? Like, <laughs> look at Boba Fett! Yeah, they, good, good. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, I still got my soft spot for. for but we had to use our part. imagination back then. We did too, though. When you think about it, you know, I, I was fussing to my kids about that the other day. I can't get these kids to go outside for nothing. They're perfectly content to be inside twenty-four hours a day playing video games and stuff. And I mean. Am I crazy? Am I just not remembering properly? But it we seemed like we, we were never in the house. Oh, no. We, we would sit in the house and play video games forever. We would play on 2600s till the, till the, till the, um, you know, we would play all those Tron games and Mountain King. Think of how much time we used to waste on Mountain King mastering that stupid Yeah, I guess shit. you're right. Yeah, and I then, went through and a then number your mom of would, controllers on those. <laughs> and then your mom would come in and be like you guys got to get your ass out of the house because a she was probably sick of listening to us make goofy noises and stomping around and throwing throwing joysticks against the wall and she would probably you know remember she'd be like you guys got to go outside and don't come back till it's lunchtime (laughs) (laughs) the first time my mother ever heard me say fuck was because of mountain king I got killed on Mountain King for like the umpteenth time and threw the controller down. Fuck! And she's like, what did you just say? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing, mother. (laughs) But, you know, I can remember like taking like the Star Wars case, you know, like the big Darth Vader head case or something like that outside 
and having giant battles out in some sand pit somewhere or something like that or making like a fortress out yep. of sticks or something. And kids, I mean, do they even do that shit anymore? Well, remember around your house, we had a really – there was a really cool – there were two two like sort of dam areas. There was right. a one – you know, in one direction, and then if you followed the river up or the stream up further, remember there was that dam you could pull the boards out of it and like basically flood down the that stream that went down. <laughs> flood the town the, and kill everybody. Yeah. Well, it would go yeah. right down the middle of your town, and it, and it ended sort of like around the post office. Remember that? Right. And there was that other area that was sort of a a real dam that we had to climb a fence to get over. And there were right. woods there too, and then there was a tunnel that went, you know, that the, the stream went down, and we had all sorts of different kinds of. And then there was that big bridge on its way into Black River that we could play under, and basically we had all different kinds of terrains, you know, to have access with. And we were both rural, and if we were if we were out at my house, and there was nothing to do but be out in the woods, basically. Right. <laughs> well. What do you think? Uh, wrap it up for the toy that, episode. I think that about sums it up for now. <laughs> I'm sure we'll think of some other stuff, and I and I'd like to invite our listeners if they to to come up with, especially some of the younger people, you know, since they came up with different toys. I'd like to hear what some of the toys are that you know. I mean, there's stuff that we didn't mention that's just like ubiquitous. Like I used to have a Rubik's cube and all that fun stuff. Somebody's gonna beat us up for GI Joe. Somebody's gonna be like, "How could I you not mention GI Joe?" Joe but guy. yeah, neither neither was I. I had the big GI Joes. I I, I used to yeah. have like little army men. I used to like to blow up army men with a with firecrackers and stuff like that. But I never really got into GI Joes. Oh, we didn't even talk about when we used to blow up things. We need to talk about that in a whole other episode because yep. I can the the super valuable Jawa. There's well, actually, I don't know which one is valuable. There's there's two different Jawas of the original Jawas. There's the one that had the cloth, uh, you know, the cloth hoodie. I used, to and then there's him. the other one that had the vinyl cape. And one of the right. two of those is worth a fortune. But I distinctly remember. Being, you know, generous in in my melting and exploding of of both kinds of Jawas, so <laughs> we need to we need to do a whole episode about the death of toys that <laughs> used to blow up. Because uh-huh. I remember, you know, I went through Captain Marvels like crazy because we used to have Captain Marvel. We put his arms out at the side and we put a firecracker in each hand and then yeah, light it I'm like hell, stand there and go Shazam and see if we could time it to when it actually would blow up and blow his friggin' arms off. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh. I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I've, I've managed whole ar- green army men genocides in my life. You know, I remember using the setup. <laughs> We'd set up these whole dioramas of army men. It was me and this kid, David Redfield. And we would steal firecrackers from this kid, Andrew Lutz. And we would set up these huge dioramas with the army men. And then we would set up ro- huge rocks and would, held up by a little piece of wood. And then we'd stick a bunch of firecrackers behind that wood so the rock would collapse and crush them. And <laughs> then we would blow their heads off and burn their arms to charred, dripping. <laughs> I remember my my grandfather being really pissed at us one time because he came out to his garage to i don't know mow the lawn or something and we had used up all the gas in his gas can 
lighting up uh, army men. <laughs> you know, just we, you know, take an army man and dip him in there, and then you know, we'd set up these great big battle rama things. You know, of of all these uh, army men guys dipped in gasoline, and then just start our battle would be you'd light a match and throw it, and whoever you hit and they lit on fire would be the casualties. <laughs> We're lucky we didn't blow each other up or something. Oh, yeah. or light each other on fire. It was crazy. We yeah. used up his entire gas can. Well, I'm glad that. you mentioned that because as kids, gasoline was a toy. It was a toy. And it was a favorite toy. I remember making Molotov cocktails, and we'd throw them into this rock pit, me and Carl Carpinetti and watch them explode, you know, this huge rock pit where the farms, old-time farms used to throw away their garbage and stuff, so it would just be this, you know, 35-foot diameter pit with rocks, and you could you could throw these things and have these humongous mushroom clouds of flames. Yes, gasoline, a great gasoline and firecrackers, two <laughs> kids' favorite toys. I think we should leave it at that. The toy episode that you can't play for your kids. <laughs> That's two two freaks for you. We'll talk about toys, but don't let your kids hear about it. And, and I was just gonna say, it's we're we're all about adult toys, but we're not. I don't really want to use the term adult toys; it brings up the wrong connotations. <laughs> As I sat on my bed, I could see the moon and stars. When I peeped through the door, I could see my mom and dad. It's hard to remember on that cold night in December. I couldn't find my toys, so I searched all around till I found their hiding place, and they stared me in the eye. One then seemed to say. It's hard for us to play when we know you can't be kind to your sister and brother. Visit our website at two truefreaks.libsen.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. TwoTrueFreaks.Libsen.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libsen, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email us directly at TwoTrueFreaks at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Two True Freaks podcast. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1-585-COP-LURE. That's 1-585-267-5873. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by DeManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.